the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Fair ball inside the bag, down the right field line. Rizzo coming in to score. They're going to send Baez. Here comes Javi. in St. Louis and the first win since 1979 April 29th to be exact in Atlanta when trailing by five or more through eight. Now you tell me who would you go to? You're going to throw your closer up five runs? Given the situation I would have considered Ray Agos in that spot but it's not your job it's the right move it didn't work out. He lost him a bases loaded walk in the Braves lead. Fly ball to right field. Did he do it? Yoshi Tsutsugio has walked it off. Tsutsugio. This is why I have trust issues with this Cardinals team. Tying run is at first, the pitch. Swing and a fly ball. Another nail in the coffin. This was a visit to the gravesite to put flowers on the grave. Don't this thing it. is over. More likely to happen for the Cardinals. They finish below 500 or they make the playoffs. I'll say it's more likely they finish below 500. This I would Dodgers say last series. Night, I mean, it, was, it didn't look competitive. It, they looked blocked. Did they scratch and claw, though? I, it's hard to tell if they did. How'd that work out for you there, Chilti? How'd that work out? We're the Cardinals. We're, we're ready to go. Um, Nothing else to it. Arenado hits it out to keep left. How about number 30? You bet! 30 home runs! Nolan Arenado! For the team, for St. Louis, everybody, that was the home run we needed. I think that's the one, uh, you know, win like this. I think that this can really get us going. Catch my bicycle to them with like a bed sheet or something because I don't know if I want to jump on board yet. And Alonzo hits it out to deep right. Newt Bar back. Two two. O'Neal with the drive out to left, and it's gone. He did it. It's a two-run shot. Tyler O'Neal, the red bear on top. Here in the eighth. Raiders are coming. The Cardinals are coming. No, they're not. And a curveball is popped up left side. Arenado giving chase. Oh, what a play, Nolan Arenado. He holds on. Went over the tarp, back to 
the infield, and a basket catch from Nolan. Tyler O'Neal. O'Neal smokes it. Oh, and he knew it. It's gone. His second home run of the day. Skipping out of the box. He knew that baby was out of here. Bader hits it out to deep left. Late inning magic again. We're tied 2-2. Two, two. He did it. And we're tied. You know, it's always sick going back to back with plays, honestly. And the 1-1. One, one. Round ball. Goldie to the plate. Bodie is hung up between home and third. The tag by Arenado. They get that out. And now maybe two. Back to Tommy Edmond. He'll throw to third. It's a rundown. Molina. Bader is in it. center there's Bader has it 17 consecutive wins the run of 21 it's been historic amazing incredible and now the St. Louis Cardinals are post season bound no one with us ever This doesn't get you excited. I don't know what will. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Your St. Louis Cardinals are officially playoff bound. Say it again. Your St. Louis Cardinals, the team that had the worst June in the history of the franchise, the team that replaced its closer in the month of August because he couldn't stop blowing leads against the Pirates. Your team that wanted its hitting coach fired in the middle of the season okay, still did. is going to the playoffs. Say it in a French accent. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Wee wee. That audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. Tanner Hendrickson with the open today. This guy. An absolutely incredible open that met the moment for what what, what has been, Alex, in my opinion. One of the most remarkable runs in the history of sports. And if you're a St. Louis sports fan, in the last three years now, between this run in 2021 and the run that we saw from the Blues in 2019, you've seen some of the greatest sports stories that we have seen in the 21st century. I don't know where this is going. I can't tell you where it's going, but I know I'm along for the ride. And Alex, I'm going to ask you a question that I have seemingly been asking you for three months and i think i know the answer this time around yes i am married are you officially on board are you officially on the bandwagon ready to go Choo choo! let's get on board boys i am the conductor of this bandwagon that was a big one last night that felt that felt like the moment we've all been waiting for it felt like a moment we weren't going to see this season when Harrison Bader makes that catch and he just kind of slowly pumps the arms right like it felt like it was the end of the breakfast club where he's walking (laughs) off the field T-Bone doesn't get that reference It, 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 it was a moment that I didn't expect to see this season and look I will raise my hand I will admit to be the guy that just poo pooed this team from April up until I guess the beginning of September when this run really started. But yeah, I'm on board. I'm excited. I can't wait for this wild card game. I know it's going to be tough if it's the Dodgers, but I'm looking forward to it because this offense has officially 
it's officially got me excited about this team once again. And I don't know about you guys, but I was thinking of this last night, watching Harrison Bader with the fist pump when they win, celebrating on the field. And this song came to my T-Bone's the song guy, right? Oh my god. But this song, <laughs> this song for me, this is what came to mind. This could be love because Giving Shilty credit. Oh now? yeah, we gotta owe it all to Shilt. Who do who who do you want to make sure? Let's do this right now. Who do you want to make sure we give some credit to that deserves it after what we've been through this okay, season? Okay, well, I'll start. I'll start. Go ahead, Mo. <laughs> Apolo- I think we all should have a formal apology. Start with Mo, Tanner. Mo, I'm sorry. You know, I, I saw it happen. You know, a league worst ERA and John Lester ten years out of his prime, and I you know I thought you didn't do enough. But you know what? You proved me wrong, Mo. So congratulations and well done. This is deserved. Can, can I can I go next? Are you next up? Okay, yeah. yes, please. I, Speak I to the like circle. Of all people, I think I need to apologize to Mike Schultz. Yes, please. You know who I criticized him for throwing in the ninth inning of a game against the Cubs? <laughs> yeah, the guy who's used in the most high leverage situations all season. That dude that was throwing 99 last night with a wicked uh, sink. Did he one, two, three, two pitchers? Like, Officeale Garcia one, two, threed Luis Garcia. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and apologize to Mike Schilt and, frankly, Luis Garcia, who I said no fewer than 15 times on this radio show. He stinks. Yeah, he doesn't. He's really good. He's going to be a significant piece of what the Cardinals try to do in the postseason, whether that be in the wild card game or if this team goes on a incredible run all the way to the World Series, which seems possible right now. Uh, yeah, I got to apologize to both Mike Schilt and Luis Garcia. That was not one of my better moments looking back. Uh, I disagreed with the decision at the time. Maybe Mike Schilt knows what he's doing. Well, it's not your job, first of all, BK. That's true. So, yeah, but uh, we appreciate the, the apology. You know, what? I'm going to throw an apology out there to this Cardinals offense. You know, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson. Hell, Paul DeYoung. I apologize for being a jerk all season long and sitting here saying that this offense isn't good enough to compete. Because for a long time, they did look like a team that couldn't compete. But they were waiting in the weeds. They were waiting in the weeds for the moment, for things to connect, for the good feels to kick in, the good vibes to start up in that clubhouse. And whatever Whatever gypsy magic is going on right now in that clubhouse with Jeff Albert in this offense. It's got to be the sage, according to to, uh, Miles Michaelis. And he's starting tonight. I hope he's got the sage ready to go to keep this thing going. Whatever it may be, I apologize. Alex Ferrario apologizes because, my God, this offense is just unreal right now. And I say unreal like it's a cliche. It's not a cliche. Every time they score six runs, I'm thinking, where the hell did this thing come from? So I apologize. I uh, we talked to Mike Petriello of MLB Network earlier today on the Danny Mac show. Alex, he shared a stat with us that it shouldn't be surprising to me. And yet when he said it, I I, I, like audibly yelped out loud (laughs) since September 11th, which is when this streak started. The Cardinals have scored the most runs in Major League Baseball, and they have allowed the fewest runs in Major League Baseball. 
They've been the best offense and they've been the best run suppressing team. So yesterday I was listening to the fast lane and they asked the question, you know, what's the identity of the Cardinals right now? What is this team's identity? The identity is they kick the bleep out of you whenever they go up against you. Doesn't matter who they're going up against on any given night. You can throw out every wild card contender that you want to throw out there. And the National League did. They beat all of them. Mm -hmm. Reds, gone. Mets, gone. Padres, gone. Brewers, we're coming for you, big boys. I know the division ain't there for you right now. Wait till the NLCS. Wait till this team gets a piece of them in the NLCS. Can't wait to watch that one because they've won, what is it now, five straight against them? They don't want to see this team in the NLCS. I can promise you that much. You know, I was thinking of this last night. Like, it really feels like the opposition that faces the Cardinals right now, they're nervous. Like, every time somebody comes into a game against this Cardinals team, you get a lead, it's tied in the third inning, or you have the lead in the sixth inning. Every team feels like it kind of has the yips against this Cardinals team because they're not sure how to approach them. Like, before it was, well, we can throw to Paul DeYoung. He's going to strike out. He got on base twice yesterday. What, with three plate appearances, four plate appearances? We could throw to Harrison Bader. No, Harrison Bader's going deep right now. We could throw to Dylan Carlson. Nope, he's going to solo home run your butt. BT said it last night on the broadcast. They've hit 50 home runs in the month of September. I don't know what the average is in a month, but that is ridiculous <laughs> to me. I don't think it's 50. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Like, I heard him say that. I'm thinking, okay, there's 30 days in September. Quick math here. That's almost two home runs a game. That's ridiculous. So just overall with this team right now, I've just been I've just been so surprised. And there's been so many moments that has gotten me to this. To your point on other teams finding a way to end up with the yips at some point. It's almost like right now the Cardinals are waiting to see how they win a game. Like They, they all know it's coming and it's a matter of how are we going to do it tonight? And they're all waiting to find out, OK, who's going to do it? Last night, it was Jose Rondon. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Hey, remember when you said you'd pinch hit Paul DeYoung over Jose Rondon? (laughs) I remember that. That was very recent. Uh, The opponents, meanwhile, are waiting to find out how they're going to lose. It's both sides are happening simultaneously. It reminds me of week one. Remember, we're watching the Cowboys versus the Buccaneers in the NFL season. And the Cowboys score. And the Bucs, you knew exactly what was going to happen. Tom Brady, everybody that was watching that game, everybody that was playing in that game knew exactly what was about to take place. I feel like that watching the Cardinals every every single night right now. They have Tom Brady, but Tom Brady like takes on a new body every night. One night it's Jose Rondon. Another night it's Andrew Kisner. Then it becomes Harrison Bader. Oh, now we're Tyler O'Neill. And some nights everybody is Tom Brady. It's, it's incredible, man. It really is. It's the most fun I've had watching this Cardinals team since I moved to St. Louis in 2015. Did you guys see Michael Wilbon on PTI last night? No, he was talking about the, the, the way that the Cardinals run has been. And I wish I would have found this audio, but I didn't have time this morning. But he basically was saying that the Dodgers and Giants, I think the quote was Dodgers and Giants look out because the boogeyman's coming. It, it, he's not wrong. Like if you're the Dodgers, you already have history against this Cardinals team in the playoffs where it's really frustrating. But if you're the Giants, you're sitting here feeling, yeah, we won the NL West. We beat the Dodgers and the Padres. I don't think that matters anymore because you really have to be concerned about what this Cardinals team is going to do. When I went to the, I was at the game last night and you guys mentioned how everybody's thinking of how are we going to lose this game? When Woodruff gave up that lead in the fourth inning, he turned around and looked at the bullpen and was like, all right, who's going to get up? Cause I'm tired of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I've given up seven hits and two runs. I can't, I'm done. Someone We've come clinched. get me. I don't want to pitch no more. It's incredible, man. And last night that's, 
that's as much fun as you'll have watching a baseball game. And it's because it was the capper of what's been a miraculous run. This thing ain't over. We, we've still got five more games of the regular season to watch. The wild card game is going to be a heck of a lot of fun, regardless of who they go up against. And you're going to have Adam Wainwright on the mound in that one for you. So you're going to have a chance, regardless if that's against the Giants or the Dodgers. You're going to give yourself a shot in that one for them to get back into this thing and then to actually clinch with five games left. If you would have told me that a month ago, man, no way. But for this team to be able to do this 17 straight, they're on a miraculous September run and it doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. So it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch from here until the end of the season with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll be chronicling this throughout the postseason as far as they can go right here on 101 ESPN from 11 to 2. It's 11 17 your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We want to hear from you guys throughout the day today. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. How you feeling today? Your Cardinals are going to the going to the playoffs. They have won 17 straight games, including wins against the Reds, Mets, Padres, Brewers, and Cubs. How you feeling after what you've watched in this 17-game stretch? If you just want to say something to your fellow Cardinals fans, you want to send a message to the Cardinals, uh, send it in. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app. Or maybe you want to apologize because I've seen a couple of apologies come through to Harrison Bader, Matt Carpenter, so send the apologies, too, if you want to get in on this. We've got that all throughout the day-to-day. We don't have much of a rundown. We're just kind (laughs) of flying by the seat of our pants today. But what I want to do next It wasn't just that the Cardinals won last night. It was also watching the exhaustion for another team in the NL Central. And I'm not talking about the Brewers. We're going to talk about the team that we thought might be a rival for the the Cardinals this year. Eh, They faded a little bit down the stretch. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. No one with us ever. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's PK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Barnhart's got it, and the Reds sweep the Cardinals in St. Louis. Their first four-game broom cleaning at Bush Stadium in over 30 years, led by Jesse Winker. We had some talking mother in St. Louis uh, after the first series sweep, and uh, it's kind of nice to go on their road, uh, you know, on uh, at their road ballpark and, and let them have it. We had some people sweeping brooms and like that while we were leaving, so... How'd you like that? And it's gone final. Narvaez lined out. The Cardinals win. And the 2021 Cincinnati Reds have been officially eliminated from the wild card chase and postseason contention. Yeah, how do you feel about that, Joey Votto? Well, how do you well, feel well. about that? How the turntables. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. I got to be honest, part of what made me feel even better last night was not just that the Cardinals clinched, especially at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. It was also watching the despair in Cincinnati as the Reds were officially eliminated from the postseason. Did you hear that call at the end there? <laughs> and it is over. The Cincinnati Reds have officially been eliminated from the 2021 postseason. Have you ever looked into play-by-play? 
It's fantastic, that was fantastic, BK. That was incredible. I remember early on this year, Alex, whether it was the brawl, if you want to call it that, when Nick Castellanos was flexing over Jake Woodford or when they came into Bush Stadium and swept you four consecutive games, I believe for the first time in 30 years, whatever it was, that that felt like a little bit of a rivalry that was brewing between these two teams. Man, the Cardinals put that thing to bed quick. It took one month. And the Cardinals played hot baseball for a month, and boom, the Cincinnati Reds went from, hey, that's a really exciting, interesting story that's happening up in Cincinnati, to a complete afterthought. Man, it wasn't just part of me that was thinking that last night. Like, I enjoyed the fact that the Cardinals clinched, but I've been enjoying that for 17 straight now. I thought like a hundred percent of me was enjoying the fact that the Cincinnati Reds were sitting there watching the scoreboard, the Cardinals clinch, and then knowing that their season that had so much promise of, Ooh, look at this offense. We can hit home runs. And then Joey Votto ish talking on the Cardinals and Cardinals fans. And rightfully so look, look, it's been 30 years since they've been able to sweep a series in (laughs) St. Louis. So you kind of have to run your mouth a little bit there, but Amir Garrett was running his mouth. Castellanos was running his mouth. They were so confident in themselves at the beginning of this season. And then look at their schedule in September. I mean, it is the flip of what the Cardinals did in June. Couldn't win a series against the Pirates. Couldn't win a series against the Cubs. Couldn't win a series against the Dodgers. Hey, they couldn't win a series against the Pirates again. They're really good. They can't run their mouth anymore. That felt so good knowing that they were eliminated because of the Cardinals win. And what made it feel even a little bit better for me, too, was knowing who the manager was that was over there. Even though that they saw the Cardinals win, they got their butts kicked by, guess who, Tony La Russa Mm -hmm. and the White Sox, which made it feel even a little bit better. Yeah, the the other thing is, you know, when... Whenever I listen to BT on the fast lane and there's some criticism that's taking place that somebody takes exception with, he'll always say, you know, his his typical phrase is, hey, you don't like it, play better. Well, hey, uh, the Cardinals didn't like the way that they were being treated by the Reds earlier this year. If you don't like it, Cardinals, play better. You know what they did? They started playing a whole heck of a lot better, and they won 17 straight, and now the Reds, yeah. After you had, what what was it that Joey Votto said? A bunch of ish-talking MFers. talking mother bleepers. Oh, if you're going to have that, well, you better be able to take it going the other way around because it's coming right back at you when the Cardinals are able to overcome what your lead was in the division, in, or in the wild card, rather, in the month of September. Man, they, they collapsed, and the Cardinals... Being where they are right now is not possible without the collapse of both the with the Reds and the Padres. Those two teams opened the door, and when the Cardinals saw that opening, they have busted through it in a massive, massive way this month. Just think of how much disappointment Joey Votto has gone through in his career from the Cardinals. Like... The guy has won an MVP against Albert Pujols. The guy has been a part of some good Cincinnati Reds teams. But every time they feel like, oh, yeah, we got the team that can outplay the Cardinals in the NL Central. Cardinals just shut it down. Like every year in Joey Votto's career, the Cardinals shut it down. So it it always feels better when you when you hear a team talk a lot of smack in the beginning of the season because they're playing red hot and they're on fire. But you always have the team that's like, okay, we've been here before, though, right? Like, doesn't celebrate after anything because they know that they're going to be there at the end of this. And throughout a really crappy part of June, the Cardinals just kept their heads above water and said, we'll be there, we'll be there, we'll be there. And then look what's happened to the Reds. Rough night last night for the Reds. Feel terrible for them. Can't no, believe that that happened. That's just such a, such a shame. I love you hate the to taste see of it. tears. Great night here in St. Louis, though. And one of the guys that I was the happiest for, especially in the celebration after the game, you could see it. You could see the smile on his face. You could feel it when he was talking. 
Nolan Arenado after the game. To be able to go to the playoffs is what it's all about, and uh, I'm just thankful to be a part of this team. I mean, this team is unbelievable. Uh, they, we've carried each other. You know, I'm just happy to be a part of it. I mean, this is why I'm here is just having a chance to get to the playoffs and be able to do it the first year is a great feeling. I mentioned this with Danny Mac, Alex. I'm going to remember, if you can only have two moments as you can remember, if you had to have the men in black flashy thing in front of your face on everything other than two Nolan Arenado mo- moments from the season, I would have A, the home run that he had on the home opener against the Brewers to be able to win that game. I believe it was in the eighth inning to put them up front, uh, ahead in that one. And then the second memory that I would want to hold in the back of my mind was that one last night for him to hit the home run, to be a part of that victory and to be on the field afterwards, celebrating with his teammates after they had won 17 straight and had officially clinched the wild card. This is what he wanted to be traded for. This is why he wanted to come to St. Louis was to be able to be a part of playoff successes with a team. Nolan Arenado last night, when I when I saw that they had officially clinched, he was one of the first guys that I immediately thought of. Well, and I was watching on Bally Sportsman West the celebration in the locker room or in the clubhouse, and you could see Arenado. Like he was the first one that was spraying champagne on everybody. He was the one running around the room like a kid at Christmas time. Like he was so pumped up. And you go back to when they acquired him, right? Like think of the frustration he went through. Think of when we talked to his agent in the offseason of just how he, he felt like he was stuck and nothing was happening in Colorado. And you get this. And not only going to the playoffs with a team, but the season he's had. Like, he just tied the most home runs by a third baseman in franchise history in a single season. Like, he's going to surpass that from what Scott Rowland has done and from some incredible third baseman in Cardinals history. That's his first season yeah. where there was a lot of pressure on him. So, man, he was the one I was most happy for. But then you're looking around the clubhouse, too. Paul Goldschmidt, I mean, I know he's been here before, but this team's got to feel different to him. Tyler O'Neill, who's been in and out of this team. Remember last season where he wasn't even a part of the postseason roster? Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's well, he got pinch hit for yeah, in the final that's game. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, correct. Sorry. Uh, but he, all of them you feel good about, but there's individual guys. But you're right, Nolan Arenado was the first one you think of. By the way, one of the apologies I want to hear from the text line is the concerns about Arenado's opt-out. Oh, no. He's <laughs> not done, right? I better, see that. I better see that sorry text. No, coming. no, he's going to opt-out. I never want to hear about his opt-out ever again. Oh, my God, that's oh, 636. Just text it in. So, about the Arenado opt-out. Never mind. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're looking at the opt-out situation right now, Nolan Arenado is more likely to tell his buddy Trevor Story to opt out of free agency to come straight here to St. Louis as nice. opposed to him opting out of his contracts to leave the city of St. Louis. There, nope. There's no worries about Nolan. There was never concern about Nolan Arenado leaving. No. Now there are really no worries about Nolan Arenado leaving. Here's part of why, because of how special this run has been. John Mosaloc tried to put that in context last night. I think this one is going to be one we never forget just because of this run. And when you, like as I was saying earlier to some people, like, like here we are, we need to win one game. And when you take a step back and realize we we just won 16 in a row, now 17, and, and how special that is. So it's unique, it's been historic, and you ask what it means, it's, it's gratifying to this group, because every group, it always changes. Rosters evolve, people, staff changes, but this, this will be something that, you know, we'll always remember. I think that that last quote there from John Mosaloc and all of this audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest, they did an excellent job of getting all of these interviews on the field afterwards last night. That last quote of this is going to be something that we will always remember. I Every time you make the playoffs, it's special. There's no doubt about that. This run has been more memorable, though. 
because of everything you've been through as a fan, because of everything that this team has been through so far this year, the injuries, the ups and downs, the offensive malaise that they were going through in the month of June, it makes it more special. It makes it taste that much sweeter when you do get to this success at the end of the year. So I'm with Mo. This one feels different to me. I don't know what it, it, it really is. It, that month of June, when you put that next to what we're watching in September, I think that's why, man, this has been this is as much fun as I can. Ha- I have to imagine if you're a Cardinals fan that's been here and you've been a fan for 50 years or whatever. I can't imagine there are many months of Cardinals baseball, not including the postseason, of course, because that's different. But in a regular season month, I can't imagine there's been a whole lot that's been more memorable, more enjoyable than what you've seen in this September. I would think the only one close to memory now would be the September of 11. And other than that, that's that's probably the only one. Granted, I don't remember much of those 80s teams because I wasn't around. (laughs) Because you weren't even a thought then. uh, To add to that point of, well, you know, you went through June and then September so sweet. I think the other thing that adds to it, too, is kind of that July, August was, okay, the team's healthy. Why is it not coming together? And then the frustration built upon that, too, because everybody was healthy minus Jack Flaherty, and you're getting Miles Michaelis back at that point. So the, the talk was, okay, well, the pitching's looking better. Why is the offense not doing anything? And then just all of a sudden, whatever it was, there was that snap, and it just everything came together. You know the difference between the 2011 September run and this one, though, was like you were waiting on other teams, right? Like you were waiting for other teams to, to fall collapse. apart and collapse, and then you had to do your own job. This one, it felt like you weren't even worried about what anyone else was doing. Because you controlled your own destiny. It's been like three weeks now that they've really, like, if they continued winning, they would make the playoffs. Because at the beginning of September, I remember telling you guys, it's like, man, it's so hard for me to believe in this because you have four teams that you have to leapfrog over. But those teams combusted, but they could have been playing well and it wouldn't have mattered because the Cardinals went on a 17-game win streak. So that's why this one feels just a little bit more special than 2011 but 2011, I felt, had another feel because you were watching other teams combust as well as play well. Yeah, for sure. It's it's all of that, right? It's And this is something that's so unique in St. Louis. Like 65780 is the air comfort service text line. We're getting a few seasons that people immediately come to my, or months that have individual moments where people say that this one compares with 2021. 98 with the, the home run chase for Big Mac, that absolutely is part of it. 2011, a lot of people are saying was better. I, I, I hear that. I get it. Part of that story, though, is also what they did in the postseason. If right. you, we're not there yet. If this season ends with them winning the World Series, well, that's going to be pretty similar to what you saw in 2011. But as a Cardinals fan, you've seen a lot of this. You've seen stretches of incredible baseball in the last 25 years. You've had some of the most memorable months, memorable moments that you could possibly ask for as a baseball fan. And that's that's why things are a little different in in St. Louis than they are, they are elsewhere. So it's it's been so much fun to watch, man. And I just I can't wait to see where this team's able to go with it from here because they're not done. They talked about it a lot last night after the games. This is not the end goal for them. They still got five more games left in the regular season, and then we'll see what they're capable of in the postseason. But there's there's still a lot that this team has left that it wants to accomplish moving forward. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get into some questions and answers coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, I want to talk about what changed for the Cardinals pitching because we've talked a lot about the offense. The pitching is another thing that completely turned things around. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. Ha, 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 Cincinnati. Payback is a bitch. They are 
Sears St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. And so Sugo lines one to deep right center field and clear the deck with a cannonball. Suit, suit, Sugio. Fly ball to right field. Did he do it? Yoshi suit, suit, Sugio has walked it off. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right. Are you kidding me? The Cardinals' biggest change, really, in the second half of the season, and more notably in the month of September, Alex, they've changed what their offensive approach is. There's no doubt about that. But more importantly, they changed the personnel with who they have in their pitching staff. And with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Look this up. In the first half of the season, the Cardinals' pitchers were last in Major League Baseball in a walk rate. They had the highest walk rate in the league. They were middle of the pack they were 18th in era in the first half of the season and the last really two months now since the trade deadline they're middle of the pack and walk rate which is perfectly acceptable when you have this defense you're not far and away the worst and they're top 10 in era since the trade deadline that's what's changed for them and alex you can look back and the names aren't sexy way the blanc signed on june 17th tj mcfarland signed on july 1st Luis Garcia signed on July 9th. And then on the 30th, we know at the trade deadline, the Cardinals go out and acquire Lester and Hap before you guys jump in here. I also think there was another significant change that happened for them, which was moving Alex Reyes from the closer to a high leverage middle inning reliever role. And now Giovanni Gallegos uh, filling in as your closer. The pitching turning things around, no longer having the walk issues that we saw earlier this year against the Braves and against the Cubs and against so many other teams. If you're looking for any one thing that has turned things around for them, it's figuring out how to fix their pitching staff and really eliminating the walks from that staff. First of all, T-Bone, we're not going to let him just gloss over the no. insult that he just threw at our guy, right? I can't believe he just threw an insult at Leblanc. That's it's terrible, like, man. Amazon, you're saying he's a spare tire. <laughs> yeah, right. He was right. And by the way, that spare tire got you exactly where you needed to go. He was able to buy you time he to got find you, other options. He got you to the auto store so you could get the real tire in. Like Luis Garcia, TJ McFarland, John Lester, and Jay Hatt. Look at that. Absolutely. Look at that foursome right there. But you're right, BK. I mean, look, pitching changed drastically. And I was thinking of this last night, too. You go through the names that started the season with this team out of the bullpen, right? Like Tyler Webb was the lefty for oh you. Oh, my God. Right? I forgot about that. I know. That. He was in our <laughs> circle of trust. Thanks, yeah. T-Bone. That wasn't me. But, I mean, he he and Andrew Miller were your go-to lefties. You weren't even talking about Henesis Cabrera at that point. And then look how he evolved. Your righties. John Gant was the guy that we were like, okay, okay. And he gets the rotation spot when the injuries kick in. But John Gant was supposed to be the go-to guy in your bullpen. And then he can't get guys out after the month of May, I guess, or April. I don't really remember. He was Houdini for like a month or so. Ponce de Leon was the other one as well, where he was supposed to be that weapon for you. And he never panned out. I'm looking at the roster from opening day right now. It is wild how much they've turned this thing around. So you had Carlos Martinez, Daniel Ponce de Leon, and John Gant as three-fifths of your rotation. That was your Latino heat. 
on opening day. Andrew Miller was one of your go-to guys coming out of the bullpen. Jordan Hicks was on the opening day roster coming out of the bullpen. Tyler Webb was a significant left-handed option for you. Jake Woodford, and not this version of Jake Woodford, who we're watching right now is a confident version of Woodford. The beginning of the year, that was not him. And then the flex happened, and we all know where it went from there. Jake Woodford was a big piece of what they were doing in the bullpen as well. Man, it's just, it's a different pitching staff. Well, and that's where I'm at now. Look at what you have. You have, you still have the big three, but the big three are utilized in a different role, right? Reyes is your long inning guy or gets you out of a jam guy. You have Cabrera, who is still the seventh inning lefty for you, but then you're going to Gallegos to close things out. Guys, Luis Garcia, who was acquired, who BK basically said he is terrible. He's now, do that. he's now your highest hey, leverage guy. Wrong. He's your highest leverage guy. TJ McFarland is performing like what Tyler Webb was last year, where we were all like, man, this guy might be but lights better. up better. This guy's lights out for you. And then you have the long men now. Now you have a Dakota Hudson who's coming out of the bullpen for you if that's where he's at. Jack Flaherty was said last night to be available for you out of the bullpen. You're not even talking about Andrew Miller right now. Like Andrew Miller is last resort pitcher you completely did a 180 with this bullpen, and it, it stems from two guys that you acquired by signing them or claim, claiming them off of waivers. I mean, just look at the our BK circle of BK and Ferrario circle of trust. I mean, it went from three guys to we Six. kind of put Helsley in, and then he quickly got himself back out of the circle of trust. I didn't even say his name. And now we're up. Now we're up to six guys, and th- all the other three that have been added have been signing. Or no, Whitley. Whitley came off IL. He was basically like one of those. But two signings in Garcia and McFarland, and I think this all starts back. You know, the LeBlanc signing. You know, I love my guy LeBlanc, but. When you first do that move, we all said, oh, "What really? What is that? Okay, can kind of see it. I think that was the first sign that Mo saw what can happen. And I've heard Danny Mac say this before, too, where it's you see how successful he can be pitching to contact. And you said, all right, now we just got to find the other guys, and then we can build it. And we all looked at it and went, no, wait. We couldn't even figure out the right Luis Garcia when they signed him. You after couldn't that find him on, on I Google. I looked him up, and it was uh, all I Astros could find guy. was the guy from the Astros. Yeah. I was like, damn, they... They got Luis Garcia. That's amazing. And then you actually found out which one it was. And I was like, oh, they oh, got Luis Garcia. I don't know who this guy is. Actually. Yeah, he's he had one good year and he's been horrible ever since. But he turned things around. One more thing to throw out there, guys, in the first half of the season, if you were looking at the utilization of their of their relievers, it was Reyes Cabrera Gallegos almost every day. I, I remember I looked it up at one point. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it was like three months in a row that they had gone three months without having a win in which those three guys in some capacity didn't pitch. They Any win they had, they had to go to those three guys. And then in the second half, you started to see that change a little bit. They were able to find new pieces to be able to filter through there. And if you're looking at the National League in the first half of the season, all three top 10 in the National League in innings pitched among relievers. In the National League in the second half of the season, none of those three are in the top 10 right now. And in fact, the only Cardinals relievers who are are TJ McFarland, who was number one in the National League in innings pitched for relievers in the second wow. half. Wow, it's unreal. And Luis Garcia, who is number five right now. Those two guys have been your highest use, used relievers coming out of the pen. They found two guys in high leverage spots that they can trust on top of your big three. And that is, if you're looking to the playoffs, a way that you can win, man, it's like that. We've seen teams win with big-time bullpen arms that are coming out for the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. That's what you're going to need. Well, and they took the pressure off your Latino heat, right? Like, you you stopped having to rely on Gallegos to close things out for you or Alex Reyes to get you out of a bad jam or Genesis Cabrera. 
Those were the guys. It's like, okay, just stick with your role because we have these two guys now who can get us out of the jam. And look, they weren't used a lot before they were signed by the Cardinals, which is different than what the three was for you that you had on your roster. Like they were overused at that point. McFarland and Garcia came in and say, hey, throw us every day because we want to be used and look at what's taken place. And, you know, that kind of goes back to I think it was about July, right around the deadline, early August, where we were starting to have the conversation of, the big three looks like they're getting gassed, yeah. mm-hmm. and they and we ha- you have to find that supporting cast. We said if the big three struggle, the Cardinals won't win, or if you don't find that supporting cast, you're not going to win. And then that supporting cast came about, as you mentioned, they don't throw as many innings, and they've looked really good of late. Gallegos looked really good last night. I didn't even see Cabrera come in the game, but he's pitched really well in the last couple of weeks. So now if they're getting more rest, they are much more effective mm-hmm. than imagine if they were still being guys that were top three used in uh, Major League Baseball. I remember 2011, one of the things that was key for them they had their relievers pitch more innings in the postseason than their starters did and that's how they were able to make up for the fact that their starting rotation outside of Chris Carpenter just it didn't compete with some of the other best rotations in baseball that's how this team the formula for this team is very similar pitching wise to the formula that they had back in 2011 Wayno is your Chris Carpenter and then you've got a bunch of other dudes that just need to be able to take advantage of the defense behind them and then let's turn this thing over to the pan with a lead and we're going to be able to bring this home how eerie is it that with the 2011 comps you look at the guys that were acquired at the trade deadline and Mark Zipchinski the lefty and Octavio Dotel the righty it's crazy and how crucial they are and now TJ McFarland and Luis Garcia have fallen into that role yeah you get, you're gonna have to have a devil magic player emerge because awesome. that that happens when you get into the postseason and if they find one and if these guys keep hitting the way they have two three four in the middle of your lineup you're gonna have a chance yeah. you're, you're gonna give yourself every opportunity to be able to go on a run in the postseason he's Alex Ferrario that's Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie Keith Costas of MLB Network he's a Cardinals fan he's from St. Louis he's gonna join us coming up at 12:30 to talk about the improbability of everything we've seen over the last month but coming up next 65780 is the air comfort service tax line it's time for some questions and answers here on 101 ESPN you've got questions we may have the answers maybe text now to 65780 it's vk and ferrario's questions and answers on 101 espn 65780 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers coming up in about 10 minutes or so I want to hear from Mike Schilt and Adam Wainwright on why they always stayed optimistic about this Cardinals team, because those were the two guys that anytime you heard them speak, whether it was in June, July, August, or even during this stretch, they've all said they've been steadfast. We believe that this team's going to go on a run. Why were they so optimistic about that all along? We'll do that coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But right now, it's time for some questions and answers at 65780. Let's start with this one. Hey, guys, do you think that Adam Wainwright can carry the Cardinals in the playoffs the way that Carpenter did back in 2011? Can Wayno not just survive, but dominate a team throughout the postseason? He's got all the makings, too. I mean, what Chris Carpenter did against that Phillies roster felt like... I mean, I don't want to say nobody can touch that because obviously there are individuals who can, but like... That was just an unreal moment for how big of a deal the Phillies offense had been up to that point. But like, let's just put them in a scenario against the Dodgers in a one game wild card. Can Wayno do that? Absolutely. We've seen it before. He's gone seven innings, giving up one hit and 11 strikeouts against the Atlanta Braves. So 
he absolutely can do that. Now, can he do it for a full postseason? I think a lot of that depends on the offense helping out Adam Wainwright. So the reason that I'm going to say yes to this question is because I think sometimes we almost have like a folklore about what Chris Carpenter actually did in the 2011 playoffs. And I'm not suggesting he wasn't good. He absolutely was. He was fantastic for the Cardinals. But it's really that one-off that you're talking about, Alex, that was a dominant performance. Nine innings shutout. We all know how that went. It was one of the greatest playoff games that you've seen this decade. One of the better playoff games that's happened in my lifetime in terms of pitching performances from both sides. But outside of that, here's what he did in the postseason, Alex. Three innings, four earned runs. Five innings, three earned runs. Six innings, two earned runs. Seven innings, two earned runs. And six innings, two earned runs. Do I think Wayno can do that? Absolutely. I'm not expecting a nine inning shutout, a complete game shutout from Wayno in the postseason, but the rest of it. Yeah, I think Wayno can go in his four starts this postseason, five to seven innings, giving up two to three earned runs. That's that's kind of what he's been. And that's what I expect him to continue being. I think when people say Chris Carpenter, they think of the clinching moments, right? The performance against the Phillies, the performance against the Rangers. Can Wayno do that? Absolutely, because we've seen him do that before. Mm-hmm. He was the stopgap for all the losing streaks for this entire season. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm 100% in that he can do that, just like Carpenter. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for questions and answers. Also, coming up, uh, we will get to some of your Rhino Shield mic drops on the 101 ESPN app as well. Cardinals fans, we want to hear from you guys today. How are you feeling about this team right now? Let's hear from one right now, actually. We've got one from Murray. I'm out here in L.A. I was born and raised in St. Louis. This is the most incredible run uh, that I've seen my whole life uh, from the Cardinals. And I just want to say, and I want everyone to know back in St. Louis, that these Dodger fans out here are so scared of us right now. Everyone I talk to... um, says that they they need to win the division because they are just so terrified of going against the Cardinals in that wild card game. I get it. I, I let's let's phrase this as a question here for questions and answers, Alex. If you were the Dodgers, would you be afraid of playing the Cardinals in a wild card game? I'd be afraid about this Cardinals team, but look, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm not gonna be afraid. And they shouldn't be afraid because you got Max Scherzer, one of the best, if not the best pitcher in the game right now, on the mound in that wild card game. And I mean, you have an, an outstanding offense from top to bottom, and then your bench is just as strong. So I, I understand Murray's point. And by the way, thanks for listening out in L.A., Murray. We appreciate it. Um, but if I'm the if I'm the Dodgers, I'd be thinking this is not going to be an easy win. Like, I'm not guaranteed an NLDS, but I mean, I don't think I'd be afraid if I was the Dodgers. I'd be a little afraid just because of the fact of how hot this team is coming down that stretch into the postseason. And I'm not going to lie, when we had Mike Petriello on the Danny Max with BK, and he told me the one, if you want to call it a weakness for Max Scherzer, was the long ball, 50 home runs in <laughs> yeah. September. Oh, Mike made me convinced they're going to win the wild card game. So thanks a lot, Mike. Hopefully they don't get blown out. <laughs> I don't think, fa- I, I don't, I'm going to differentiate two things here sitting on the fence to as oh, we typically do Alex daily here on became Ferrario. Um, if, if I was a player, no, I'm not afraid of anybody because I'm the Dodgers and I'm not, I'm not afraid of anybody, right? Same thing as the Cardinals. Cardinals shouldn't be afraid of the Dodgers. They've been playing as well as anybody in the sport. If I'm a fan, I'm petrified, absolutely terrified of going up against this team in this spot this year. I want no part of my favorite team going up against the Cardinals in the playoffs, especially because of what Tanner just said. You're telling me that Max Scherzer, whose only issue is giving up home runs, is going up against a 2-3-4 in the lineup that has 
Tyler O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt, and Nolan Arenado, who are all hitting their stride right now. Mm-mm. No interest in seeing that in a one-game sample. I'm good. So I would much rather see them in a five-game series where I think, if I'm a fan, my team is better than the Cardinals are, as opposed to that one-game scenario where anything can happen. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Last question for you guys from the 314. Hey, guys, what role do you see for Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson in the postseason? Do you think either of them could be a starting option for the Cardinals? I think what's like T-Bone said after Hudson's appearance last week, I think if he has one more of those, whenever that may be, I think you can absolutely start him in a playoff series. Like, I think you can absolutely have him as a guy who can give you four innings out of the bullpen. And I think the fact that Jack Flaherty was stated as available out of the bullpen last night tells you where he's at. I think it tells you how the Cardinals view Jack Flaherty is. I don't know if he's going to be starting in a wild card game, obviously, or an NLDS, maybe an NLCS. So I think the roles you're looking at are both bullpen guys, but Dakota Hudson has the option to be a starter for you. Yeah, I think Hudson's going to be a guy that starts in the postseason. I'm more convinced now that they said that he's even going to start taking at bats Mm -hmm. as a starting pitcher. So I think he'll slide into the rotation. I think Jay Hep's going to be the odd man left out. And with Flaherty, I think Flaherty will come out of the pen. But I'm very interested to see how they approach him because this kind of has the Michael Walker scenario written all over it from 2013, where it's come back really late, no chance for a rehab assignment, see him a couple times in the regular season. What do you do? We'll see if you put him on the postseason roster. That, that's my biggest question with him is, can he be on the roster and what's he bring? I'm going to be pretty surprised if he's on the wild card roster. And I know that may sound strange, but if he's got one, maybe two appearances before the playoffs, I don't know how there's any way you would have him in a high leverage situation at all in a postseason game, especially in a one game scenario. There's six, maybe seven guys that you're going to have coming out of your bullpen ahead of Jack Flaherty in the wild card game. Can he get on the NLDS roster? Maybe that's one that I think you could at least consider. He's going to be battling with Andrew Miller and KK probably for that final spot in the uh, on the pitching staff. But I don't think he's going to end up in the wild card game roster. So his role at best is a reliever. Hudson's the one that's really interesting to me. He's probably out of all of the players on the roster down the stretch in these final five games. He's the one that can help himself the most with his next appearance. Because if he is really good as a starter, maybe he starts one of these games in Chicago or against Chicago. I think he's going to end up starting for the Cardinals in the NLDS. So he's the guy that I would be paying a lot of attention to. Jack Flaherty, much less so. I don't think you're going to see him in any high leverage spots, especially early on in the postseason. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Keith Costas of MLB Network is going to join the show coming up at 1230. But coming up next, how did the Cardinals internally remain so optimistic even when everything around them was going so wrong. We'll hear from Mike Schilt and Adam Wainwright on that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. team for st louis everybody that was the home run we needed i think that's the one uh you know win like this i think that this can really get us going lindor ground ball out there the throw to the plate they got a rundown the tag applied it's a double play 
stepped on the bag. To Yachty, to third. It's a double play, and let's go to the 11. And Alonzo hits it out to deep right. Newt Bar back. team that had one of the worst Junes in Cardinals history is now having one of the best Septembers in the history of the franchise as well. They've won 17 straight. They are officially heading to the 2021 Major League Baseball postseason. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Alex, I think one thing that makes this streak so remarkable is that so many people on the team seemingly believed all along that it was going to be possible. Tyler O'Neill has stated publicly that he thought they would get hot. We heard Tommy Edmond right around the all-star break say, hey, we're a second half team. We know we're going to get hot. And eventually they did. Schilt every night says that they knew that they were going to get hot. And John Mosaloc was pretty steadfast in believing that they would be able to go on a run like this. So last night after the game, of course, you heard from a lot of the individuals that were stakeholders in this on why they stayed optimistic about this team. Here's Mike Schilt on why he always remained confident. People say, how do you stay so optimistic about this team? And really, it's, it's, it's not blind optimism. I am an optimist by nature. I think they live longer. But um, it, it's, it's an easier team to believe in and have that faith in when I have the privilege of being able to see behind the scenes the dedication that takes place every day and the, the intentionality of this group together for a common goal, and that's to, to, to celebrate the, the very last game of Major League Baseball. And we took a, a, a nice step today. Um, but, you know, it's a group that cares. And then we, we, you know, we fortified our team, you know, with some with some key moves that took place. And uh, and here we are. The offense always had this potential. You knew that Goldie, Arenado, O'Neal, those guys were not going to stay silent all year long. And they haven't. And now they're hitting as well as they have at any point in time. And Adam Wainwright has stated publicly on we, uh, Wednesdays with Wayno here on 101 ESPN throughout the season Hey, we believe that we're going to get hot. It's just a matter of time, and here's what he had to say after the game last night as well. Nobody in that in that clubhouse was playing to their capabilities the first half of the season, and you know the last the last month we've been we've been clicking pretty good. Um, we closed on some really good teams. We had some very tough series that you know Fangraphs had us at like a negative 400 percent chance to make the playoffs, <laughs> and, and we just proved everyone wrong. And so we're going to try to keep doing that. 
I know he was joking around, but like it really did feel like they had him at like a negative four hundred percent that this team would make the playoffs for how long that they had gone through this. At one point, they were at zero point five. I believe that, yeah. And then I saw on Bally Sportsman West the graphic. I took a picture of it last night. It was two point eight percent on September seventh, and then <laughs> it was what quick math here, which is never good. Nineteen days later, it's at ninety nine point nine percent, and then they clinch. So, but the reason that this team has had the confidence so long is because of that man we just heard from Adam Wainwright he's been through this before Yadier Molina he's been through this before those two guys when you have them in the clubhouse you can talk trash about the team you could joke around how bad they are all along but if you're 10 games out which they've been in the past and have seen that you can come back from it the confidence is always there and you guys remember and again this is I guess another apology for Mike Schilt remember when Mike Schilt was I think he made the reference like three or four times in postgame of how he was a part of the minor league team that lost 10 in a row and they went on to win the championship. And he's like, you're never out of it. And we all laughed about that, right? We were like, oh, okay, Mike, that's the minors. That's not Major League Baseball. They were 10 games out at that time. And then look what they've gone through right now. So having a manager who's done it before, having a manager who the players trust, and then having a leadership group that includes and is headed by Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina, that's why the confidence has always been there. And when things start rolling in the right direction, you kind of look at those guys. You're like, man, you guys were speaking the truth there. You weren't just puffing rainbows up. You know what? So that that's why this thing has turned around because of those guys. Yeah. And the leadership, I'm with you 100 percent. You've got Wayno, you've got uh, Yachty in there. And then you've got a Nolan Arnado, a guy that's new to the clubhouse, never experienced. But he's one of the big leaders in the clubhouse. Goldie's there, too. And with Mike Schilt, I mean, yeah, you mentioned he was always very positive and he was always making the reference to the minor leagues. But he also did in 2019, too, because he took over for Mike Matheny, who was fired. And let's be honest, I, I think there was a lot of, not a lot of hope for that team either coming post all break. Now, they didn't go on this kind of a 17-game winning streak to get into the playoffs. They but he did, a, he, he did a really good job of building that team up and then going on a run and getting them into the playoffs as well. So, yeah, I'm with, I'll join your apology there. It really <laughs> is amazing because it, this team's actually been pretty darn good outside of a month. Like if you look at it just through the prism of I, I did some of the math on this from opening day all the way to May 29th, the day before Jack Flaherty got hurt. So the first about 60 games of the season, 55 games of the season, they were 30 and 22 in that stretch. So they were an above 500 team. They were one of the better teams in the National League in that stretch from July 5th to where we are today, 46 and 26 record. If you combine those two. They are a 76 and 47 team. That's a 62% winning percentage. That's really good. On any year, that's a playoff team. But they were 11 and 22 from May 30th to July 4th. There was about a five week stretch where this team forgot how to play. It was in the middle of them having so many injuries. You had Jack Flaherty that went down. You had that terrible start from Carlos Martinez out in LA. Like everything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Cardinals. They stopped hitting. Everything was bad about the Cardinals from May 30th to July 4th. And that's how you get to a 33% winning percentage. But on the whole, outside of that five-week stretch where they were a bad baseball team, this is a team that's played 620 baseball for the remainder of the season. The Cardinals have been pretty darn good by and large throughout the year. By the way, as a little bit of context on what a 620 winning percentage is, that's what the Rays have been all season long. They have the best record in the American League. You have been the Rays outside of five weeks this season. And I know that's like, hey, other than that, like, I get it. But 
there was a fat, bad five-week stretch, and the Cardinals are this team. This is who they are as a team right now and have been for the majority of the season. Michael Gersh was on with us on the Danny Mac show. Uh, this was about two weeks ago now, I believe. And I remember asking him about the mood around the team in June while they were going through that 11-22 and 22 stretch. Here's what he had to say about how Mike Schiltz deserves a lot of credit for keeping them up and positive throughout that. Schulte and his staff kept the players positive and, and kept the environment positive. I mean, when things go bad, you know, you can start pointing fingers. People can start, you know, complaining about other, you know, other groups. You know, the hitters aren't carrying their weight or the pitch aren't doing that. And none of that happened. Everyone, everyone knew that we were, we were a better team than we were showing at the moment and, and stayed positive that we could, you know, we had played well up through the end of May and that we could get back to playing well again. You know, BK, uh, Claves was... Claves was at the Blues game on Monday, and I was talking with him, just asking him what this run's been like because, you know, he's around this team. He's traveling with them. And he said, look, he said, this team has kept their head above water all season long. And he's like, I've seen that clubhouse. And he said, there, there's not a bad egg in that group. He said, everyone gets along. Everyone's positive about this run. And everyone has continued to buy into this. And he said, at the head of all of this has been Mike Schilt. We hear it on post game, but Klabe sees it behind the scenes. Klabe sees Mike Schilt talking to players and pumping them up and talking about the game and where they're at. So, I mean, he has kept the team positive through out a really bad stretch in June and I know we say that and people are like oh okay yeah whatever but he has been and that's coming from a guy who has seen it from day one he's been such a big part of all of this and I've said all along even when we were being critical of some of the managerial decisions in game Mike Schilt the thing that he's good at is the stuff that we don't see on the television He's really good inside of that clubhouse. He keeps the team together. Even when things are going poorly, he has a way about him inside of that clubhouse. And we've heard this from enough people that we know it to be true. And we've seen it now. We This is what it looks like when you're able to keep things together in a way that, say, the Padres have not been able to. They have a leadership void. The Cardinals do not. And part of that, you can give the credit and you should to Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina and Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Those guys deserve a ton of credit. But they should also get part of that credit and give it to Mike Schiltz because he has enabled them inside of that clubhouse. That is their clubhouse. Mike Schiltz is the one that made it their clubhouse. He is the one. It's it goes from the top down in any leadership organization structure. And the Cardinals leadership right now is really good. They've got a good general manager and president of baseball operations and, and, and John Mosellock and Michael Gersh. They've got a fantastic owner. We've known that for years. And they have a pretty darn good manager. Does he sometimes make decisions that we disagree with? Of course he does, as does basically every other manager in the sport. (laughs) I mean, Dave Roberts, everybody was laughing at him before he finally won his World Series. I think Kevin Cash is one of the best managers in baseball. He had a really bonehead mistake that he made in a public moment in the World Series last year. It happens, and that's on the biggest stage possible. We watch Mike Schilt on a night-to-night basis, so we see all of the flaws potentially with what he does with the bullpen, especially when he's got bad options out there. But, man, he's a, he's a pretty darn good manager, and his ability to keep the team together when they were going through that 11-22 and 22 stretch from late May into early July – that is the sign of a manager that you want around your big league club moving forward. So full kudos to Mike Schilt, full kudos to this team for keeping the faith when I know for me, 
I didn't have it. I lost faith completely in that June meltdown. I I did not see something like this coming in September. Had Mike told me that optimistic people live longer, I would have stayed on the bandwagon. Did you know that? Man, I need to stop being pessimistic all the time. Yeah, that's true. With Alex Rorio, Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll talk to Keith Keith Costas of MLB Network. What's this been like for him to be able to watch it from afar, both as a fan and as someone who works at MLB Network? And I would imagine as a producer for MLB Network, there's been a heck of a lot more Cardinals content (laughs) in recent weeks. We'll talk to Keith Costas in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next... It's always good to go back to back with the boys. We got to talk about Tyler O'Neill and his significant contributions through this stretch next on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. That's out to left. O'Neill back. Always set going back to back with boys. O'Neill with the drive into deep center and gone. Tyler O'Neill launched into center, and the Redbirds have the lead in New York. O'Neill with the drive out to left, and it's gone. He did it. It's a two-run shot. Tyler O'Neill, the Redbirds. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. That audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. Tyler O'Neill is officially in his breakout season. That's been the case all year long. We know that. But, man, looking into some of the numbers that we've seen from him, Tyler O'Neill is very likely. He's one stolen base away from becoming the first Cardinal to finish with at least 30 home runs and 15 steals in a season since. Any guesses? It's the answer to every Cardinals trivia question. Ryan Ludwig. Nope. Luke the other Rock. answer. Nope. Albert Pools. <laughs> Albert Pools was the last guy to do guess. it. It's happened just twice in the last 20 years by any Cardinals player, both of which were Albert Pools. He's potentially Tyler O'Neill is going to be the third to do it. 30 plus homers, 15 plus stolen bases in any individual season, man. He's a legit top five to seven MVP candidate this year. The Cardinals offense has completely changed since they moved him to the three hole between Goldie and Arenado and Tyler O'Neill. O'Neal talked after the game yesterday yesterday about always believing the Cardinals had the talent to be able to go on a run like this. For sure, yeah. I mean, we're, we're a good ball club here. You know, we've always had confidence in ourselves and in our, in our play and stuff. So, you know, we're, we're, we're the Cardinals. We're, we're ready to go. Um, nothing else to it. I don't know why, but for some reason, Tyler O'Neill always gets me ready to run through a brick wall. Here's another quote that he had earlier this year that had me willing to do that. This is the Cardinals. This is the one where he said just six sellies with this the is boys. This what when we don't have a rundown, Six sellies with the boys. We've been waiting, to, waiting to really bust out all, all year. Um, you know, we came close a couple times, gotten some good runs, but, you know, this is crunch time, and uh, we're the Cardinals, so September baseball, you know, stuff's important, and uh, we're here to win, so... Uh, that's what we do. All right, play the one where he says six Sally with the boys. That one doesn't exist. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, man, what a season he is putting together at this point. And his his September 
is one for the ages. His ability to hit between your two big guys in the middle of the order. He's batting 315 this month with an OPS above 1,000. The big question with him was how was he going to be able to bounce back from the slumps? Well, we found out this year the way to do so is by just not really having any slumps. <laughs> Look, his numbers are just un- incredible. And when you go back, you remember with Tommy Pham, people were so upset, and he was like the first Cardinal to be a 300, 400, 500 slash line guy. Tyler O'Neill is nearly there. I mean, he's 283, 349, 546. And that's missing some time at the beginning of the season. But what really has gotten me is how his war has jumped. And look at me being the data nerds like BK oh, over here. What is going on over here? Getting get, me excited. Well, he's really are in the Cardinals right now. baseball now. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm on board with this bandwagon, boys. I'm the conductor. Tell me more about the war. Yeah. Oh, okay, easy over there, buddy. Jeez. <laughs> 5.7 war. Wins above replacement. That shoots up from a .9 last season, a .3 in 2019, and a 1.2 in 2018. Pretty good. Like, that Combine a, all of those, and you're at about half of what he's at this yeah, year. I mean, it's not like you've just been like taking stepping stones to get to this point. I mean, he legitimately just Canadian hulkstered himself through a wall like Kool-Aid man style and just said, no, I'm here, and I'm actually a guy that's going to destroy Major League Baseball. So I've loved everything about it, but it's also the spark plug. It's the energy, and he's not the energy guy like Edmundo Sosa, right, or like a Nolan Arenado with the fire. He's more the energy in terms of what he says, right? Right? Like he's he gets you to want to run through a wall. Yeah. It's when he runs the bases as fast as possible so he can get into the dugout and celebrate with his teammates. Like that's the kind of Tyler O'Neill that you have here. And honestly, he has become a fan favorite in St. Louis in half of a season, it feels like. Yeah, I think something that also we need to keep in mind. Anytime I hear Adam Wainwright talk about Tyler O'Neill, it's not about the power. It's not about his defense even necessarily. It's about his scouting reports that he's putting together pregame. It's about his preparation. And I think sometimes you look at Tyler O'Neill and you're like, holy cow, this guy is just a modern marvel of a human being. He looks like he could just step onto the field and hit 400, 400 foot homers by being there. It's not the case. Like he had some real struggles. His first three years in the league, Alex, you mentioned this. He actually got worse. The first year he was his best year. And then the second year was slightly worse than that. And third year was not good at all. And this year, he's taken a step forward. I think not so much because physically he's a better player than he was previously. I think he's always had this potential in him. I think this is about mentally being in a much better place. I mean, you look at some of the numbers that he's putting together this year, man. Baseball Savant, which is that advanced analytics numbers nerds website that I love so much. They have this thing that's just a chart. And you want a lot of red numbers. So if you're looking at like the barrel percentages and the exit velocities, hard hit rates, expected batting, all of that stuff, right? You want a lot of the red numbers because that's your hot zone. Everything's red for him. Everything other than the strikeouts. And those are just never going to go away with Tyler O'Neill. We have to be accepting of that because of everything good that comes with who Tyler O'Neill is as a player. Somebody on the text line asked, hey, do you guys think that what we're watching is sustainable from him because of the strikeout rate? I don't think Tyler O'Neill's a 280 hitter. Don't think that's what you can expect out of him moving forward. But can he be a 250 hitter that hits maybe even 40 home runs in a season and gets you a 75, 80 RBI, plays potentially gold glove caliber defense in left field? Yeah. Yeah, that's the type of player that you could get out of him. And if he can become that man, what we're watching this year about him being in an MVP conversation, and he is, he's a legit top 10 candidate for it in the National League, This will not be the last time we talk about that. He'll be that for years to come. 
and the Cardinals are going to be very happy about the deal that they made to to trade for Tyler O'Neill and those contract talks that we've had so many conversations about. This is just the beginning of that. We're going to be talking about that moving forward if what we're watching this year is real. See, I do feel like this guy's a closer to a 280 hitter uh, because, I mean, he has changed his approach at the plate. And, I mean, he's not, you know, he is missing the ball a lot. But, I mean, he's hitting off speed. He's hitting outside. He's hitting inside. He can turn the bat inside if it's close with him. He's just a different hitter right now. Absolutely. Maybe 280 is too much to ask for, but I think he's north of a 250 hitter in his career. And he just hits the ball so freaking hard. Yeah. And his I speed, mean, too. Like, yeah. the amount of infield singles that he's had this year is is amazing. He uh, That play last night where he hit the single to right and it went under Garcia's glove, Holy, I could hear Garcia like the roadrunner sound going. I think it went 103 miles an hour off of the bat. That was a good Just moment. Just made right a there Looney Tune moment there. Jeez. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Keith Costas. He's a producer for MLB Network. He's a Cardinals fan at heart, so we're going to have him put his Cardinals fan hat on in this next segment. When we talked to him last, I think the Cardinals were before their run. So this is the first time we'll be able to talk to him as an optimistic Cardinals <laughs> fan. Keith Costas joins us next on 101 ESPN. Are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Balance Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to get into the latest Ferrario Five, the five best moments from this Cardinals winning streak. We'll do that coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But right now, let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by the producer for MLB Network. You know him as Keith Costas. He joins us on 101 ESPN. Keith, we appreciate the time. And last time we talked with you, I think everybody was getting fired for the Cardinals. And now they're (laughs) going to the playoffs. How you doing, my friend? I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I've been saying all year, you know, if they can get to Labor Day with their heads above water, you know, all it will take is a 17-game winning streak to get through. So, I mean, I know some people were down on them, but just going according to script to me. Keith, I'm right there with you, man. I've always said this team has the potential for a 100-win season. And look, this is just a great year. You got that open ready for us? No, no, no. We don't need that, Keith. I've been with you, man. I've been with you. This team is dominant all year long. Right, exactly. Just how we drew it up. Well, in all seriousness, though, Keith, what have you made of this, man? T- take your producer hat off, throw that to the side for a moment, pretend you're not even in the media, put your fan hat on. What's this been like to watch as the Cardinals are going through a historically great stretch in the month of September? Well, first of all, the fan hat usually stays on, even if it's underneath the work hat at times, but it never really comes off. But, yeah, this uh, this little run has been unbelievable to watch. You know, I think I'm probably – in the same boat as a lot of your listeners, I can't really remember a season where I was less invested in Cardinal baseball. I mean, I still obviously followed the team and cared about the team, but, you know, having to follow the other 29 teams for work too, it's, uh, I've had the luxury since I've been at LB network of the Cardinals always kind of being in the mix and being one of the relevant teams. So the work and the fan part of it was always kind of crossing over, but this year, you know, I've probably watched less of the team through August or so than I can ever remember. And now I haven't missed a pitch in the last couple of weeks. So to be able to re-engage with the team like this and have them charge towards the postseason has been awesome. Keith, we've talked a lot here on BK and Ferrario about how this team right now is giving everyone 2011 vibes. And you remember that 2011 run for this Cardinals team. And look, this team doesn't have a pool holes, but does it give you the vibes of that run that they did in 2011? 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to. You think you're never going to see anything crazier than what they did in 2011, and then they come up with a 17-game winning streak. So it's hard not to draw those parallels, even early in the streak when, you know, 17 wasn't on anyone's mind, even when they were just in single digits. You kind of started to see how those parallels could be drawn. You know, some of the contributors they've had in the bullpen, some of the veteran pickups, you know, I think people forget what a big role a guy like Edwin Jackson kind of played, helping stabilize needs some innings for that 2011 team, kind of a similar dynamic with the Lester acquisition and some of the stuff that they did at the trade deadline that was much behind at the time, but has actually worked out pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, even aside from just the improbable runs late in the season and the kind of magical endings that happened for that team, both in September and obviously in October, too, I think there's some uh, there's some roster similarities, too, that I'm sure you guys have talked plenty about over the last couple of weeks. Keith Cost is joining us here on 101 ESPN. Keith, when you size up this Cardinals team, and let's, let's set aside the June and everything uh, about that, the team that we're watching right now, when you size them up compared to the other teams that are going to make the National League postseason, how do they compare in your mind? Well, I mean, I think the obvious question is what do the Cardinals have in the rotation beyond the top with Wainwright? And I guess you could throw Lester into that mix, too, as their second guy with the way he's been pitching recently. But then again, you look at the way that postseason baseball has been played over the last five, ten years, really in the more recent history, especially the last handful of years. And it's not like the 90s. We're not talking about teams like the 90s Braves where you're just going to run out four starters and have them hopefully go six, seven innings apiece. I mean, all these teams are in all hands on deck situation for the most part. Obviously, certain rosters are constructed differently. You'd like to be in the position where the Dodgers are, where they can run out basically a frontline starter for every game if that's what it calls for. But, you know, the Cardinals, with the way this bullpen has developed and some of the pitchers that they're getting back from injury, I mean, to be determined what their status is for the postseason when you talk about guys like Hudson and Flaherty. But, you know, you start to look at the depth, and if some of these midseason pickups, especially in the bullpen, can keep it up, I think that they're – they're well-positioned. I mean, they're playing with house money at this part, if we're being honest. I think they're well-positioned to make probably more noise than, uh, than fans outside of St. Louis realize following this run. I think people are inclined to say, oh, well, you know, 17 in a row, it's, it's otherworldly, it's a magical run, props to them. But, you know, eventually the other shoe's going to drop. But I actually think that this roster, especially on the pitching side, is coming together pretty nicely to give them a chance to compete with just about any team they go up against. I'm not saying they're going to run through the rest of the National League. But I don't see why the Cardinals have any reason to look at their roster and think they're extremely deficient in one area or another where they're, it's going to prevent them from even having a chance in the series. I, you know, I like where they're at right now. You know, Keith, people people say the shoe's going to drop on the offense an awful lot. Even through this streak, I've seen people say, like, wow, oh, this offense is red hot, but it's not going to last because they know what happened at the beginning and the first chunk of the season. What's made you believe from watching this offense perform in the 17-game win streak that this just isn't a fluke? This is actually what the offense looks like. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go with that question. Obviously, I think one of the biggest storylines has been the outfield. It's not exactly a hidden storyline when you've got your top prospect playing right field and the last two National League players of the week in left and center. It's not exactly like you have to dig deep to get to the fact that that's been a big, big part of what they've done offensively. But to me, I mean, with all due respect to Paul Goldschmidt, who's been one of the best players in the National League for the better part of a decade now, I wasn't sure if he had this level of production left in him. Now, you look at his numbers from last year, he had an on-base percentage over 400. His, you know, the bottom line numbers in terms of his OPS and some of his advanced metrics looked a lot like what they do this season, but he got there in a much different way. You know, he didn't have to be pitched to like he does in this lineup with O'Neill and Arenado behind him, so it was largely on-base driven and didn't have the damage. And so Goldschmidt has really surprised me, not just in September, but really going back 
you know, early July in terms of being able to really produce at an MVP level. I thought that he could be a really solid player for the Cardinals throughout the duration of the contract. You know, obviously he does more than just hit with what he does defensively and solid base runner, 12 for 12 in steals and not just the steals going first to third. So I thought he'd still be a good, solid all around player for his entire tenure with the Cardinals, but I didn't think he'd be able to necessarily get back to what he was in his twenties and his peak in Arizona in terms of slugging and hitting for a high average, like he has for the better part of three or four months now. So just having that kind of legitimate MVP caliber player in the lineup, not to mention the development of the outfielders and a guy like Arenado hitting cleanup now that can drive in a hundred runs. I didn't see that coming for the Cardinals in the two spots. So, you know, you would, you would think that maybe somebody like Goldschmidt, one of the highest paid and highest profile players on the rosters wouldn't be the thing that surprises you. <laughs> but to me, that's been a big surprise. You mentioned the outfield as well as we're talking with Keith Costas for another couple of minutes here on 101 ESPN. Tyler O'Neill has had an incredible season. We just got done talking about him. He's potentially, depending on if he gets one more steal this year, but if he does, he's going to be the first Cardinal with at least 30 home runs and 15 steals in a single season since Albert Pujols and the only guy other than Albert Pujols to do that over the last 20 years. Where were you at, at on Tyler O'Neill at the end of last year when he was pinch hit for in the final out of game three of the uh, wild card series against the Padres compared to where you are on him today? I think I was in the same place where really any unbiased and logical observer had to be on him at the end of last year, which was obviously a super talented player and a really, really athletic guy with some intriguing tools, but just so much swing and miss and such an inconsistent track record that I think you had to go in with, uh, with some caution into this year, if you were going to give him 500 at best, but fast forward to the end of the year, I heard you guys in the last segment kind of talking about some of those, uh, those stat cast numbers. And you look at, you know, what you guys were talking about, the way he hits the ball in terms of his hard hit rate and just his raw speed. You look around the league, there's only three other guys in the top 10% in hard hit rate and sprint speed. Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna, Shohei Otani. I'd say that's pretty good company <laughs> for Tyler O'Neill to be keeping. And if you're going to mix in a 300 batting average like he's put together for the last couple months, I'm not saying that's what he's going to be for the, for the duration of his career, but you look at this guy in a vacuum and just put him out there on the open market for a one-year contract, you're looking at like a $30 million player. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyler O'Neill for the last two months, that's about as good as it gets. That's a top end value in terms of, you know, position players around the league. So do I think he's going to be that long-term? Probably not. Do I think he might be closer to that than what we saw from the first three years of his career? Yeah, I think that that's probably the best position to take on him right now is that this guy's going to be an above-average to well-above-average player for the foreseeable future. So, Keith, we've had this argument on BK and Ferrario a lot, and I know fans are asking it as well. The Cardinals are notorious for handing out extensions early. Would you give Tyler O'Neill an extension this upcoming offseason, or would you like to see one more year of this before you extend him? And, Keith, as an example, one guy that we've been talking a lot about is potentially giving him a Randall Gritchick type of contract because he's, he's just about to hit uh, arbitration. So, like, five years, 50 to $55 million is kind of what you'd be potentially looking at yeah i do think that that's probably the right range to discuss um and man wouldn't that just be the perfect ending to kind of the last 12 months for the cardinals i mean to me really that's the story of what's happened in september i know people in st louis are aware of it but from a national level that's kind of what i've been preaching to you know everybody and all my coworkers. there will be network in terms of the storyline that we can't miss with what's going on with the cardinals i mean 
to go from last October when Randy Rosarena turned into Babe Ruth in the postseason and everyone in St. Louis, myself included, full disclosure, was ready to jump off a bridge with the way <laughs> the kind of outfield situation had played out over the last handful of years, to then turn around 12 months later <laughs> with something even more extreme, a 17-game win streak in September that's fueled largely by the outfielders, especially Tyler O'Neill, who's playing left field, where, where Rosarena would probably play. I mean, getting into the postseason in that fashion and then extending O'Neill with a deal that would be universally approved by Cardinals fans, given what he's done recently, would that not be the perfect vindication for Bill DeWitt and John Mosellock, given how these last uh, 12 to 18 months have played out? So will they do it? I don't know. But, man, that would be quite the cherry on top of what's been a storybook finish to the year for the Cardinals. It absolutely would. And, Keith, I hope we're able to talk with you again here pretty soon as the Cardinals are maybe making a little bit of a run throughout the National League playoffs. We've got the wild card next Wednesday night. We're looking forward to that. And then we'll be talking with you as they go through whoever they play with the uh, within the NLDS, either the Giants or the Dodgers. Always appreciate the insights, Keith. We'll talk with you again soon, my friend. All right, guys. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Keith. Keith Goss is joining us here on 101 ESPN with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kiley. That is a great way to put it with what he said about, hey, you know, this time last year, we're talking about Randy Orozarena putting together one of the historically great postseason runs, and now this year, we're talking about the Cardinals going through a historically great September run that is really buoyed by Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill, the two guys that might have been replaced by well, Randy Rosarena well, if he about kept them. Four months ago, BK. I mean, Adolis Garcia jumps onto the scene, and everyone was having the same reaction to Randy Rosarena. Like, are you kidding me? Another outfielder, and we're stuck with this? That tone changed in about a month. Yeah. Because these guys are playing great defense, and offensively, they're as good as anybody in the sport right now. He's Alex Ferrario, that's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up next, it's time for the Ferrario 5 for today, including the five best moments from this stretch of Cardinals baseball. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 10 minutes or so, we want to hear from you. The Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. Who would you like to apologize for? To <laughs> rather, this was a weird year. We all have I'll plenty apologize to apologize for, for. I apologized earlier I can today. Apologize for myself. Oh, just making sure. To Luis Garcia and to Mike Schilt, I feel like I was the one that had to do that. Yeah, it's all right, buddy. Tanner apologized to Mo for his criticisms of acquiring Jay Happ and John Lester. You were mean. You were really mean. Alex apologized to everybody. I also apologized to Paul Revere, you know, using him in my reference to the Cardinals. Yeah, because the card you said the Cardinals aren't coming, and well, I, they were. Yeah, it was tongue-in-cheek, but I guess it wasn't funny. But right now, the Ferrario 5 is where we are going. The five best moments from the Cardinals. Alex? Yeah, this is like a five apology for this one. So Ferrario 5, T-Bone, hit the open. You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario 5, a top five list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top five. Oh, 
I'm so excited for this one, guys, because there were so many of these, right? I believed in this Cardinals team from the day they started the season up until this point. And all of these moments stick out to you. So I got five. Actually, I have six because this one can't go unnoticed. So this is my honorable mention because it is a Ferrari 05. But let's start with probably the biggest moment uh, in the Cardinals turnaround. It was Mike Schilt on a postgame. It's not your job. Yeah, that was towards BK who decided to question the manager and his bullpen decisions. Look at him now, BK. They went into the ninth inning up six to one and left the ninth inning losing seven to six. He used Luis Garcia. Yeah. Who has been one of the best relievers in the sport since that particular moment. So the one yeah. bad outing for Luis Garcia and there's BK just deciding to obliterate the manager. For what it's worth, uh, he did end up going to Alex Reyes, who had command issues in that spot. And Alex Reyes continued to have command issues. And he has since been replaced as the closer for the team because of command issues. So uh, things were corrected since that particular. Well, moment. that's an honorable mention, though, T-Bone. Yeah. Okay. Brandon. Sorry, Mike. That was the next day out where we don't know if he said Brandon Kylie or Brandon somebody else, but I think he said Brandon. No, I heard Brandon I there. Heard Brandon. Too. All right. Number five on this list, boys. I'm going back to June 20th against the Atlanta Braves. Now, I know June was a really bad month. Yeah, what the heck happened in June? Just Ooh. hear me out here for a minute. Well, a lot of bad, bad things happened in June, but here's the thing. This is where I think we all finally believed in the fact that Adam Wainwright is the savior and MVP of this team. Because remember, prior to this, they were on a two-game losing streak. I think they lost the series to the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. You came into a series against the Atlanta Braves, and you really needed a stopgap because things were not going well. It was a doubleheader. Waino took the mound in that game. was a complete game for him. And remember, the bullpen was obliterated the night before. Seven innings, gave up three hits. It was one earned run. He had 11 strikeouts and a 9-1 victory against the Atlanta Braves. I think we should talk a little more about what happened the day before because that was the day where they were walking everybody. Yep. I mean, used, I, like, the entire bullpen. It was brutal, man. That, that Braves series was one of the biggest down moments of the year. And then Adam Wainwright goes out there and he's your stopper as he was for the majority of the season. He won that game. And then the next time around, he had to stop another losing streak. He was the only guy in that stretch of games in the month of June that kept you afloat. That could have been a historically bad losing streak if not for Adam Wainwright. So, yeah, that was that was a big one. And if it wasn't for Wayno, if you go back and look in the month of June, he had three victories, one no decision, and then a loss. If it wasn't for Wayno, June might have been the reason the Cardinals team doesn't make the playoffs. So that was number five for me on this list. Number four, I go to July 9th, and that was the signing of Luis Garcia, and then kind of tie it into July 31st when they traded for Jay Happ and John Lester. Still July 30th. (laughs) No, it was the 31st. That was the trade deadline. Remember? I would not have known, honestly, (laughs) had BK not just said something. The only reason I said it is because we because he went an entire week without saying anything. No, it was because the entire two weeks leading into the trade deadline, I told Alex not, no fewer than 50 times. I don't remember it's that. It's the 30th, man. It's the 30th this year. And every time Alex is like, no, it's it's the 31st. Can't wait. I don't remember that. Well, July 30th, 31st, whatever you want to call it. Look. You could throw in July 1st, by the way, too, because that was when they added McFarland. All four of those significant contributions to what's changed don't, this, uh, this pitching staff. Wait, live long as All right, well. Guys, is this your Ferrari 05 or my Ferrari 05? Oh, My apologies. Go ahead. No, we don't need the T-Bone 10. We don't have time for that. So, yeah, the acquisitions, the trades, bringing in guys to fix the the, uh, bullpen and the pitching staff. That was number four on this list. All right, let's get an actual game down. Number three of taking you back to September 14th against the New York Mets. Guys, this is when I officially got on board for the Cardinals bandwagon. The 1-0 pitch. 
Lindor, ground ball. Out there, the throw to the plate. They got a rundown. The tag applied. It's a double play. Goldie stepped on the bag. Two Yachty, two third. It's a double play. And let's go to the 11th. Well, and they win it in the 11th. Alex Reyes showing emotion along with Yachty, Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. That's when they broke the Mets. Right there was when they eliminated the New York Mets, not officially from the playoff race, but they broke the New York Mets and they Thumbs go on to down, sweep Javi it. Baez. Take that, Javier Baez. So that's number three. Number two on this list, boys, September 18th against the Padres, the Canadian Hulkster. O'Neill with the drive. No surprise, that's where they broke the Padres. For me, that's my favorite game from this stretch. Yeah. That was the 2011, the, the day that they celebrated the 2011 World Series champion team 10 years later. You had Adam Wainwright on the mound with Yadier Molina behind the plate, the Tyler O'Neill home run. That series was incredible to watch, but from start to finish, that was the game for me. And I think that was. Wasn't that the one that they started out with Dylan Carlson making the play in right on Fernando Tessis? Yeah, that was the next game. The very next day, very first pitch. That, that, That for me was the the best game yeah. in this stretch. Yeah, that was for me too, where you're looking at Tyler and you're like, man, this guy's an MVP. Like this mm-hmm. guy is an MVP because you were down 2-1 to the Padres in the eighth inning and he hits that bomb to put you on top. So that was number two and the number one, boys, it was last night at the end of the game. One. Lined into center. There's Bader. Has it. 17 consecutive wins. The run of 21. It's been historic. Amazing, incredible, and now the St. Louis Cardinals are post-season bound. Okay, the way BK looked to me, he made me think I played the wrong cut. For yeah, you a did. Second. That's not no. it. No, this was this was number one for me because I'm going to remember this, not just because they clinched, but you're going to remember the path to get to 17. You're also going to remember the fact that you have won five straight against the team that won the NL Central. And I think Milwaukee's going to be remembering this game because if they see them in the NLCS, they're going to be sitting here going, Phew, this was not looking good for us. Yeah, you've done a good job of hitting their, their uh, stud pitching as well of yeah. late. And that's something that if you're the Brewers, you got to be like, wait a second. Our entire our entire identity is bottled up in the fact that we have the best rotation in the National League and this team doesn't seem to care. Yeah. The Cardinals were able to hit against their pitching and they get into that bullpen and then they just keep on hitting once again. So a big night for the Cardinals bats, a big night for the Cardinals team and organization as a whole as they win their 17th straight game and officially clinch the second wild card spot in the National League. Pretty magical moment, wouldn't you say, Ferrario? Really? Magic moment. We're trying to make this a thing. We're trying to make this a thing. So different and so new. I still don't know the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> With Alex Ferrario and like Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll play a game of more likely to happen Cardinals edition. 65780 is the air comfort service text line to get involved in the show. More likely to happen in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, we want to hear from you. This is a special day to be a Cardinals fan. They're officially heading to the postseason. What's this like? What's this run been like for you? What's your favorite moment from this run? We'll hear from you via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield studio on 101 ESPN.
Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, we'll play a Cardinals edition of More Likely to Happen. And it's, it's an exclusively Cardinals show today, and for good reason. The team is officially headed to the postseason as the second wild card in the National League. We want to hear from you. This has been a magical run. June stunk. Nobody enjoyed the month of June. It was one of the worst months of baseball any of you have ever seen as a Cardinals fan. But they were able to rebound, and they've had one of the best Septembers in recent memory by any team, much less by a Cardinals team. So what has this run been like for you? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN app as well. Let's start out with Courtney telling us what it's been like. Look, I want to congratulate the players on the team because, man, this run they went on at the end is a run like I have never seen before. True. 17 games, looking to keep it going. You know, I'm confused. It's got me like, which team is really the the Cardinals team? Is it the team we've watched for five months? Or is it the team we've watched over the last three weeks? It's got me like mind boggled. Feel you there, Courtney. Courtney, I'm with you, buddy. I think that's where Alex was for the majority of the season. I don't want to speak for you, Alex, but well, please for, don't. But the, the way that we had our conversations about this Cardinals team, it felt like you were in that place until what two weeks ago, maybe a week yeah. and a half ago. That Mets game. That Mets game when they had the double play, where I was like, okay, I'm finally bought back in because I have been. You know, I, I was I was sold on the fact that Adam Wainwright was still a, a phenomenal pitcher and was the ace of this team when Flaherty went down. I was sold on the fact that this team still has the potential, but I wasn't sold on the fact that this team could overcome the mountain that they put themselves below in June. I wasn't sold on the fact that they could leapfrog over four people. And a lot of this was because of the offense. It's what Courtney just said, because one game they'll hit 14 runs for it. And you'd be like, oh, my God, here you go. But then the next they get shut out by the Pirates. And I'm like, what's going on here? So, yeah, I, I had been confused for such a long time. That's still the confusing part for me. Like, I'm on board. I'm excited. But I'm still confused as to how to evaluate this team in the offseason. Like, I don't envy John Mozeliak for his job this year. And there's going to be a lot of time to be able to talk about that. And we are certainly going to do so moving forward. But I think one thing that has changed for me is how I view the rest of the National League. And that influences how I view the Cardinals. I think there's only one truly great team in the National League this year. And I came into the season thinking there would be at least two. I thought the Padres would be right up there with the, the Dodgers that has just not come true. And when you look at the Giants, they are clearly a very good baseball team. But they're not on the same level, at least for me, when you go into an individual playoff game. I view the Dodgers as being almost insurmountable in a five or seven game series because of the amount of talent and depth that they have, both pitching and hitting wise. The Giants, I just don't feel that way about, Alex. They're pretty darn good, but... Kevin Gossman doesn't have the same intimidation factor as a guy like Max Scherzer in their lineup. When you go up and down, really good players. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but it's not the same intimidation factor as going up against the Dodgers either. And the NL East, nobody emerged as being a truly great team. There's some pretty good ones, but no great ones. And the Brewers are just pretty good. They're, they're a really solid baseball team. And I think the Cardinals are pretty darn good. I think one thing that threw us all off of the scent was that June swoon. Because outside of that, 
they've been playing 620 baseball. And what I mean by that is from May 30th to July 4th, the Cardinals were 11 and 22. Outside of that, they won 62% of their baseball games. Outside of that five-week stretch, Alex, that is the same winning percentage on the season as the Tampa Bay Rays have. So you've been the Rays outside of a five-week stretch where you played really awful baseball. And you know what's funny about that? That reminds me of when I said something earlier in the year. Or, or no, someone said something. We had a guest that said the Milwaukee Probably Brewers... Me. The Milwaukee Brewers kind of operate like the National League's Tampa Bay Rays. And now you look at it, and it's kind of flipped, where we're saying, well, you know, we don't operate like the Rays, but look at the winning percentage. They're playing just like the Rays, where if you take out that one month, I don't know why, you, when you just brought that up, that came to my mind, and I remember going, oh, we're totally effed. Yeah. If they're <laughs> operating like the Rays, we are done. Well, we all looked at each other, and I forgot who said that as well, but Milwaukee operates in terms of the Rays to where, like, they don't they don't keep guys who, who excel well, right? They trade them away at the end, but they find these low-cost pay, players that come in and they dominate, like Randy Rosarena, Willie Adamas this year from Milwaukee, but the problem is the Cardinals are operating like the Rays now because they've had these pieces all along that people are looking at like, no way, this guy's not going to be anything. Tyler O'Neill, perfect example. People are like, nah, I don't think he's he's an average player. I forgot who we had on that said you got an average player in Tyler O'Neill. And now he's an MVP candidate for what he has done. So that's where they operate as the Rays. That's a lot more dangerous than the way the Milwaukee Brewers operate. I think it was Keith Law that said the Cardinals outfield is a bunch of like average starters and fourth outfielders. Shouldn't surprise me it was Keith Law. It was either Keith Law or Jeff Passan. Elliot is joining us now on 101 ESPN via the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Best thing about this team has to be reminding the Cardinal Nation that the Cardinals are good again. I mean, realistically, since 2016, there's just been doubt on doubt. You know, we made it to the NLCS in 2019 just to get swept. And I think finally the Cardinals fans can come together and we got a good team. So that'll be the reason why this will go down as one of the best runs in Cardinal history and hopefully opens up the gates for 2022, 2023 to be one of the best teams in the MLB consistently. That's a really excellent point. Yeah. I like the way he thinks. One, th- one thing that he said there that I think is really important is there's almost been a change in mindset for a Cardinals fan watching the team right now because, man, Cardinals fans were a confident bunch from about 2001 through 2013, really all the way through 2015, I think you could say, because you went into every game and certainly every postseason series and expected your team to win. You expected it. You were wondering, how are they going to win, not oh boy, are they going to lose? And I think that is a mindset that is important as a Cardinals fan because that's where you were, and then it stopped. And in 2016, it it halted. There was no more, oh, the Cardinals are the best team, they're going to find a way. It became, oh no, the Cardinals have so many flaws, I don't think they can find a way anymore. And they lost their way in a lot of ways. And so now, Alex... I think what we've seen in 2021 and really more specifically really over the last two months since the start of August, you've seen the Cardinals change the way that they are playing. They're pitching and throwing strikes. They're playing excellent defense. They're getting back to running the bases. I think they lead the National League in stolen bases this month, if I'm not mistaken. They lead the National League in home runs. Man, you want to play an exciting brand of baseball, play excellent defense, run the bases really well, and hit a bunch of homers. That'll get the Cardinals fans back on board. And that's what this team is doing right now. So they they have changed the mindset of a Cardinals fan back to where you were for that 15-year stretch when you were among the best teams in all of baseball every year. 
I think that's a really significant thing, not just for this year, but moving forward as well. Who does this put more faith in for you? Or who does it put faith back in for you now? Mike Schiltz, John Mozeliak, like is the faith back with those guys after this type of run? Because for a while there, and I'm I'm not asking Cardinals fans just as much as I'm asking you, BK and T-Bone, because Mike Schilt took a lot of crap this season for the ups and downs of a year and joking around. Do you have the faith again that long term, this is the manager who can lead you to the promised land? And is the faith back in John Mozeliak, who can go out there and make the right moves to help this team significantly? I think that depends on how the playoffs go. Because if this team... And I'm not trying to be negative here. I, I want to make that very clear. This is a celebration day. Remember on what Mike Schilt said: optimists live a lot longer. That's right. That's true. So if the pessimist were to say, Alex, who's that? that? The Cardinals lose in Game One in, in that wild card, right? You you get to the playoffs, you have this miraculous run, and then you end up losing like two to nothing against the Dodgers. You get shut out. I think Cardinals fans are going to expect some significant changes still to this team going into the offseason. and so they'll they'll be knocking down the door for John Mozeliak to go make that big move. But you're not questioning Mike Schilt, though, are you? Depends. How do they lose? Did they use the wrong reliever and they lose because uh, in a bad spot he made a bad decision? I I think that criticism of Mike Schilt will be there regardless just because he's the manager. And so next year, if you get into May and the team is 11 and 13 or whatever, like, Ooh. yeah, there, there's going to be some criticism of Mike Schilt again because that's what comes with being in that position. I think the, the the bigger question for the rest of the season is about Mo. And I think for him, his job becomes a lot easier this offseason for the majority of fans, not all of them, if this team goes on a run. If they go on a run, I think the the expectation of adding a big bat or a big time pitcher goes down a little bit. I think there are fewer people that would be calling for it versus if they lose in that first round. I I think you're gonna see a lot of fans that expect a big time addition this offseason. Yeah, I think I'm with you. And I, I think the criticism to Schilt will only come if there is that, I don't want to say clear, but a move that you can look back on in question. If they lose like 10 to 1 or something crazy in the wild card game, I don't think we're going to look at Mike Schilt and say, give him a bunch of criticism. We're just going to go, wow, there, that was that one day that they right. couldn't have, and it just so happened sure. to come on wild not card to be, night. Not to be cruel, but you would have to have a Mike Matheny moment, right? Where you, you pitch to David Ortiz or you put Michael Waka against Ishikawa. You'd have to have one of those moments for you to start blaming Mike Schilt. If he used Jack Flaherty in a pivotal moment in the fifth or sixth inning after Jack has done basically nothing in the, to finish out this regular season, that's the kind of move that would get a lot of criticism. That's a really good point there, yeah. Alex. With Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Let's play a Cardinals edition of More Likely to Happen. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. What's more likely to happen? They'll figure it out. BK and Ferrario's Most Likely to Happen. Don't you forget of the Cardinals push, BK. How did I oh, forget? Yeah. I'm so mad at myself. You should be. I've never been more upset with myself than in this exact moment. 65780 is the air comfort service tech slide for more likely to happen. Cardinals edition. You give us two scenarios. We'll tell you which one's more likely. 65780 is where you can do so. Let's start with this one. Alex, more likely to happen. The Cardinals score four or more runs against Max Scherzer in the wild card or... Adam Wainwright strikes out 12 in the wild card. Oof. 
boy, both of these stress me out. I don't know if Wayno is going to be striking 12 out on this Dodgers team. So I'll say it's more likely they score four against Scherzer because you can always have a bad, bad night from a pitcher. 12 strikeouts is just a lot to have against this Dodgers lineup. So, yeah, I'm going to go with more likely that Cardinals score four on uh, Scherzer. I think I'm going to go with that as well. Pitcher can have a bad night. Wayno striking out 12. He might be able to do it, but the Dodgers are really good at putting balls in play. At one point, they led the major leagues in like foul tips, I think is what it was. So I think it's more likely the Cardinals would score four. Yeah, one of the things that's so special about this Dodgers offense, and it was the case about the Astros back in the day, and now we know why, um, the Dodgers don't strike out very much. The best teams in baseball, that is a, a common theme among them, is that they don't strike out. They have a really good contact rate, and that is the case for the Dodgers. I'm going with more likely that they score at least four runs against Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is, in my opinion, the best pitcher in the sport right now. He is also not infallible. You can score four runs against him. It's not inconceivable that this team would score four runs in seven innings against Max Scherzer. And he looks great, but he gives up a little bit of traffic in one inning and you end up three runs shot. And then later on, you're able to manufacture a run. That's something that this Cardinals team has been great at over the course of September. So I'm going more likely that they score at least four runs against Max Scherzer in the wildcard game. More likely to happen. Paul DeYoung earns his starting shortstop position back in the postseason or Jack Flaherty is used in high leverage situations coming out of the bullpen. I'm going to go Jack Flaherty here. I, I, I don't. Paul DeYoung can have a great next four games and you're sitting here going oh my gosh Paul DeYoung's back I don't think that changes what Edmundo Sosa provides if he's healthy I don't know if he's going to be healthy I mean they said yesterday that he hasn't even started taking BP so that seems like he's a long way off compared to them saying he's just day to day but I'm going to go with Flaherty in high leverage situations because if you know he's ready if you know he's geared and healthy and you're in a big big time scenario in an NLDS or the wild card game I can see that happening I just can't see Paul DeYoung getting his job back See, I think I'm going to go the other way. I think it's more likely Paul DeYoung could be your starting shortstop in the playoffs. I, I think it's very concerning that Sosa hasn't swung a bat yet. And there are five games to go. But if he swings a bat tomorrow, they're probably going to take a day to see how it feels. We're talking about the earliest, possibly, that Cubs series he returns. Three games to get your timing back after missing a couple. He could do it. But if Paul DeYoung has a hot bat, and I'm worried about Sosa and timing and say he goes... 0 for 6 or 0 for 8 in some sort of little stretch there, I think I have to turn to Paul DeYoung. I just don't know if the Cardinals are going to be willing to use Jack Flaherty out of the pin because it feels a lot like the Michael Walker situation. I'm with you. Uh, Paul DeYoung starting at shortstop is my, my decision here, and here's why. We don't know if or when you're going to be able to see Edmundo Sosa back at 100%. He might be able to play, but yesterday the optimism about him was because he played catch. He still hasn't swung a bat, at least as far as we know. And that's kind of an important part of his game. He's also not going to be able to go out on any rehab assignments or anything like that. He's not even technically on the IL right now. So I'm going Paul DeYoung starting at shortstop. I hope that's not the case. I would love to see Edmundo Sosa get back out there and look 100%, but I just don't know how to trust the injury situations with this Cardinals team when there hasn't been a whole lot of reason to so far both this year and in the past. More likely to win multiple titles this decade, Alex. The Cardinals or the Blues? Ooh, that's multiple a good one. titles in the 2020s. The Cardinals or the Blues? This is going to surprise some people. I'm going to go the Cardinals here. I, I, I think the Blues. Wow. I know. I know. I think the Blues can. I think the Blues can win a couple. 
The problem for the Blues is they're going to be running into a contract situation. And we've talked about it a lot, right? Where they're, they got high-priced players and you're just not sure how they're going to make all this work. The Cardinals are coming out of that, right? The Cardinals are coming out of paying Dexter Fowler and Matt Carpenter and Andrew Miller. They're going to have money off the books. Now, I know you got Arenado and Goldschmidt and you have some money. Jack Flaherty, depending on what happens there. But I think they're poised to make some offensive moves to help this team become a dominant force in a little window. The Blues can get there, but I think the Blues have a bigger uphill battle looking at what their competition is in the Central Division. So I'm going to say the Cardinals here. I think I'm with you. I think I'll say the Cardinals as well because of what you Look just at this said. Optimism. I'm proud of you guys. Well, the cup Mike is, the cup told is me so I hard to win. If I'm too. more optimistic, so I'm going to try and be that. But uh, yeah, the Cubs hard to win. Like you mentioned, the Blues have the contracts coming up. You still got Colorado, Vegas. Look like they're going to be good for a while. Uh, and then you look at the Cardinals, and like you said, their money's coming off the books. They can go spend. I don't know if the Dodgers are going to be a juggernaut for another ten years they or will. so. Uh, will they? Yeah, because oh. Magic Johnson owns the team. He's just going to keep throwing money out. That's fair. But but I do like the Cardinals' chances, maybe just a little bit better. So I'll say more likely them. I'm going with the Cardinals as well. You guys know my my starting point for this Cardinals run was supposed to be next year. Next year is when they really hit their stride. What we're watching right now, this is just the appetizers, boys. Just wait until you get to the main course. It's going to be a thing of beauty. These are the buffalo wings. I'm all on board. It's going to be outstanding. This is actually calamari. We're going calamari as the starting option. Buffalo wings here. What are you doing, man? Where where Uh, are you? The Cardinals are more likely. I just think that this team is set up so well for the next couple of years in particular. Really, the next three years is when the winning window should exist for them. You've got one more year of Wayno and Yachty, and then you're going to pass things over to the younger rotation. You've got Arenado and Goldie that are both in their prime and both are cost controlled for the foreseeable future. Tyler O'Neill has a few years left on his rookie contract. You've still got Harrison Bader locked in. Dylan Carlson's going to be cheap for the next five plus years. You got a lot of reasons to be optimistic about the Cardinals right now, given what we've seen, especially over the last month. I'm going Cardinals more likely to win multiple titles in the 2020s. More likely to win, excuse me, more likely to finish in a tie the NL East between the Braves and the Phillies or the NL West between LA and San Francisco. Which one, which division do you think is more likely to need a game 163, Alex? I'll say the NL West because the Braves are playing the Phillies right now and, and the Braves beat the Phillies last night and I think they have two, to one. two they have one more or two more against two them. More. Uh, the Braves look like the dominant force. I mean, the Phillies have already been eliminated from the wild card. Uh, they're two back, I believe, of the NL East. Three and a half now. Three and a half now. I just, it's going to be too hard for, if, if 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 Atlanta wins one more, I think it's over with, or they'd have to win out and Atlanta would have to lose out. You got two games between the Dodgers and the Giants, and that's very, that's very much in play still. So I'll say the NL West. See, I think I'm going to lean towards the NL East. And the reason I say that is because I don't think the Braves are still that good. And their closer, Will Smith, it's the last two outings he's had, he's allowed the bases to get loaded before he gets out of it. So he's kind of struggling. I could see the Phillies just winning like the next five in a row, making this thing interesting, tying it. I just don't see the Giants losing. That's my biggest reason not to pick the NL West. They've got two more against San Fran, and then they've got three against San Diego. I, I don't see them losing, so I see them winning the NL West kind of easily. Two more against Arizona first. Oh, what did I say? They were playing San themselves. Francisco would be pretty tough. I'm win with, that game for sure. Or lose that game. I'm going the uh, the NL West as well. Two games is just, it, it's tight. It's really tight right now. They've got Toy. the tight cheeks in the NL West. 
And I think that that one is more likely to finish with a game 163. All right, final one here. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, though, to get involved in the show. More likely to happen here on 101 ESPN. This is going to be a most likely. Oh, so it's not more? Which Cardinal is most likely to win the World Series MVP? Ooh. I'm going to say Paul Goldschmidt. Going out on a limb. Do you want me to say Matt Carpenter? Like, no, I just loved the long. Going to go with the guy that's third in the MVP voting right now. You know I, I'm sorry. That was unfair of me to do. That was on path. No, you know what, T-Bone, go ahead. I can't, I can't believe you said I that. I don't want to be I a was, part of this. I was going to say Paul Goldschmidt, too. It's, I don't want to be a part of this. It's probably the right answer. Because he's on fire. He's yeah. got the power. He's going to be scoring multiple runs because he hits second. I oh. just love the inquisitive nature of of Alex. Hmm. I don't know. Who's most likely? I'm not going to be confident about Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, somebody could take it from him, right? For what it's worth, Mark. I think you're absolutely right. This oh, way is to go out on a limb answer. there, BK. But I'm going to go with Tyler O'Neill. Oh, way to go out on a limb there, BK. Guy that hits third. Yeah. Shocker. Guy that's an MVP candidate. Shocker. Jerk. I know. I I really do feel bad about what I just you did. That's, that's on me. I'm going with uh, Tyler O'Neill because he's the type of player that can just completely take over a series with his defense, his base running, uh, his power. We, we all know that the combination of raw power and speed that he has. I mean, we, we talked about this with Keith Costas earlier today. The only other guys that match it in all of baseball are Shohei Otani, Ronald Acuna and Fernando Tatis Jr. Pretty good group to be in. I'll go with Tyler O'Neill as a result of that. So I really went out on a limb as yeah, well. Alex. Way to go, man. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, we're going to relive some of the best moments of this streak. It's been a hell of a streak thus far, but they're not done yet. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. You want to say something? Then say it. Use the Rhino Shield mic drop feature in the 101 ESPN app. Search the 101 ESPN app now in the App Store or Google Play. 101 ESPN Sports Center. Tanner Hendrickson here with the Dobbs Tire and Auto Center Sports Center update. The Cardinals, who clinched the second wild card spot last night with their 6 2 victory over the Milwaukee Brewers, are back in action tonight and they'll look to extend the winning streak to 18 games. Miles Michaels gets to start for the Cardinals. Adrian Hauser will start for the Brewers. It'll be a 6 45 first pitch, and you can see it on Bally Sports Midwest. And also tonight, the Blues back in action as they travel to Columbus to take on the Blue Jackets. It's their third preseason game on the year, and we'll have your pregame coverage for you starting at 5 o'clock with Alex Ferrario and Puck Drop at 6 with Chris Kerber and Joey Vitality here on your home of the Blues 101 ESPN. This Sports Center update was brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, who's now hiring with 42 stores. Apply at go-to-dobbs.com today. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Nolan Arenado walks up on stage. He gives me a big hug, and he whispers in my ear. This is no joke. This is true. He goes, hey, we're playing the wild card game. That's exactly He said that to me in my ear. Arenado, a drive, deep left, at the wall. Welcome to St. Louis, Nolan. An opening day home run. Nolan Arenado. Arenado hits it out to keep left. 
into center. There's Bader. Has it. 17 consecutive wins. The run of 21. It's been historic. Amazing. Incredible. And now the St. Louis Cardinals are postseason be able to go to the playoffs is what it's all about, and uh, I'm just thankful to be a part of this team. I mean, this team is unbelievable. Uh, we've carried each other. You know, I'm just happy to be a part of it. I mean, this is why I'm here is just having a chance to get to the playoffs and be able to do it the first year is a great feeling. What a moment last night, audio courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. Nolan Arenado gets exactly what he was looking for with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. When Nolan was traded to the Cardinals because he wanted to come to the Cardinals, it was moments like that that he had in the back of his mind that he was saying as he's watching every year, he's sitting at home in October because the Rockies aren't getting into the postseason. And he's saying to himself, man, I just want to be able to do that. I want to have that feeling of spraying the champagne on my teammates and celebrating in the clubhouse with Bud Light flying everywhere. And last night, for the first time and the only time that he's had the opportunity to do so, Nolan Arenado had that experience. And man, I don't think I was happier for anybody in that moment than Nolan Arenado. Yeah, I'm sure he was looking forward to spraying his teammates down with a celebration since spring training, probably, right, when you come to this Cardinals team. But look, Nolan Arenado, I mean, he's spot on with his comment of this, so this is why he's here. He was here to compete for a championship, and it's no coincidence that he was a part of the turnaround, too, because so many people were talking about him and Paul Goldschmidt towards the beginning of the season. And in that little rut, BK, like they were looking at those two and saying, why is this team not doing better? They have two of the best guys in their positions on this roster and it was underperforming for one. The other guy was performing and then you'd flip flop there. So Nolan Arenado, his defense alone solidified a position that had so many question marks to it. But then you come in and you provide a guy who hits 34 bombs in his first season with this team. And a lot of people, a lot of analysts are looking at it as, man, this is an underwhelming season for Nolan Arenado because of the batting average. So he, he, with his presence changed the outcome of this season specifically when Mike Schilt went to his batting order of Goldie O'Neill and Arenado. If the worst that we're going to see of Nolan Arenado in a Cardinals uniform, at least in the next few years, while he's still in his prime, if the worst that we're going to see from him is 35 home runs and 105 RBI in the midst of a playoff race, Man, I can't wait to see what the best looks like. Yeah. Because this has been pretty damn exciting. Since the first month of the season was a little weird defensively. I don't think he was totally comfortable with some of the uh, shifting that the Cardinals were doing. But since then, some of the defensive plays that we've seen, I mean, it's been web gyms at least once a week on the Cardinals field. I mean, the the play that he made, what, a week ago with the um, tarp? The tarp that was incredible. So we've been seeing a ton defensively from him. Offensively, he's... He's driven in 105 runs this year. I mean, it's it's remarkable, and he's he's been a huge component to what the Cardinals have been able to do in the month of September. And not only is it exciting to think about, wow, what if this is the worst we see of Nolan Arnato? Does that mean this is the worst we're going to see of this Cardinals offense with Nolan Arnato? Because if he only gets better and starts hitting for more average, and O'Neill stays with what the we're seeing, could be a 40 homer guy, and Goldie just doesn't have that one bad month. I mean, talk about a heck of an offense. you got Tommy Edmond at the top who leads the league in doubles. Dylan Carlson's only going to get even better at the plate. Harrison Bader, who can get hot at times, has those spurts. I mean, you're talking about maybe the best offensive lineup in the National League, if that's the case. I think Nolan Arenado's seasons where this is probably his worst with the Cardinals relies a lot on Dylan Carlson. Because if Carlson's hitting in that five spot behind Nolan Arenado, 
Arenado needs Carlson to be like Arenado is for O'Neal, right? Like you need that protection behind him to where you're not sure if you can pitch because Arenado, I mean, he's seen pitches because he's got 34 home runs. But like you also, if you're a pitcher, you know that Dylan Carlson might be an easier at bat than Nolan Arenado. But if that changes, if Dylan Carlson takes another step like O'Neal did, I mean, Arenado's going to be seeing pitches because they don't want to deal with Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I, th- I thought there were moments in the game last night when I thought they were going to intentionally walk Nolan Arenado. To get just to Carlson. Because, yeah, just because it's like, I, I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. This is one of the best hitters in the National League. So he's he's dangerous right now. And in the month of September, I know that his numbers don't match what we're watching from O'Neal, Goldie, and Bader. It's amazing that I'm saying that about Harrison Bader, but his numbers aren't up there because those guys have an OPS over 1,000 in the month of September. Nolan Arnato's got a measly 873, which is really good. Step your game up. His his slugging percentage is 560, which any other month for any other team, not having guys like O'Neal, who's slugging 700, and Paul Goldschmidt, who's slugging 715, and Harrison Bader, who's slugging 650 this month, it doesn't look good compared to those. But compared to everybody else, it looks amazing. So Nolan Arenado has been great. He's been a huge piece to what the Cardinals have been able to do this month. And he is part of why the Cardinals feel so good heading into the postseason, as Adam Wainwright mentioned last night on the postgame show. You know, we feel dangerous. Just like, I, you know, there's been a couple times where I start the postseason, I go, this team could do it. You know, so we have a team that can do it. We just got to we gotta go out and execute, play the game we've been playing for the last 17 games. We got to keep doing that. We'll be in good shape. You mentioned earlier, Alex. Alex, the feeling that it must have been like for Nolan Arenado as he's celebrating last night. The other guy that I was feeling great for is Adam Wainwright because Mm -hmm. he signed up to be in another year of this, not just now, but also next year. And a big part of why is because how he's pitching, of course, but I think he also believes in this team. So last night, as you watched him celebrate and take that all in with his family on the field, which was really cool for him to be able to do, uh, it was interesting to hear him say just how much he's been able to take this in and how it's never going to get old for him. You know, I'm still wearing my champagne shirt, and I love having it. I'm freezing, and I love every part of it. But we we got some games to win. You know, we we uh, we're playing on four more of these. We got to go one at a time, but playing on four more of these. Our guys are. Our guys just got a taste of it. You know, there's a couple guys in there that never popped before, so they're pretty excited right now. We're very excited. It never gets old. You know, it never gets old, and we're glad to be back in the postseason. I can't wait to see what these next four games look like because I want to see if this Cardinals team still plays with that uh, underdog mentality because they've clinched the wild card spot. Because I truly believe here and all these guys talk like they don't feel like they've accomplished anything. Like you celebrate it, but you don't feel like you accomplished what you needed to because you do know you have the Dodgers. And even if guys are going to be out, like Yachty was a late scratch last night and Andrew Kisner steps in. If you're going to see some of the bench players playing in these next four games, you kind of want to see that underdog mentality of still trying to punch the other team in the mouth and you'll get it against the Milwaukee and you'll get three against the Cubs. I think the best thing for this Cardinals team now that they've clinched the playoff spot is that they have this win streak going because there's still something to play for in their yeah. mind is not only are we got not only are we in the playoffs but we also have this big winning streak. We can get this thing up to 18 games or or we can play for win number 90 something that people didn't think so there's still small goals for them to accomplish and i think that's the best thing so they don't just let their foot off the gas and say all right we're in we'll we'll be back here in a week fascinated to see how Schilt handles the lineup tonight certainly how he handles it tomorrow as well is going to be a big storyline and then the question is how does he handle the rotation we know wayno's going to start in that wild card game but outside of that who starts the final three games of the year that's going to tell us a lot we'll talk about that a lot more tomorrow and as we go along here on 101 es 
ESPN. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, we'll give you one more chance to hear Tanner's open from today. If you missed it earlier, I promise you, you're not going to want to miss that. We'll do that coming up next, and we'll cross things over the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. score they're gonna send Baez here comes Javi and the Cubs lead it 7-6 wow in there got him ball game Cubs win and what a win here tonight in St. Louis and the first win since 1979 April 29th to be exact in Atlanta when trailing by five or more through eight now you tell me who would you go to you're gonna throw your closer up five runs? Given the situation, I, I would have considered Reyes or Gallegos in that spot, but... It's not your job. It's the right move. It didn't work out. He lost him a bases loaded walk in the Braves lead. Live ball to right field. Did he do it? Yoshi Sugio has walked it off! Sugio. This is why I have trust issues with this Cardinals team. Tying run is at first, the pitch. Swing and a fly ball! Another nail in the coffin. This was a visit to the gravesite to put flowers on the grave. Don't this thing it. is over. More likely to happen for the Cardinals. They finish below 500 or they make the playoffs. I'll say it's more likely they finish below 500. This I would Dodgers say last series. Night, I mean, it, was, it didn't look competitive. It, they looked blocked. Did they scratch and claw, though? It's hard to tell if they did. How'd that work out for you there, Chilti? How'd that work out? We're the Cardinals. We're, we're ready to go. Um, Nothing else to it. Arenado hits it out to keep left. How about number 30? You bet! 30 home runs! Nolan Arenado! For the team, for St. Louis, everybody, that was the home run we needed. I think that's the one, uh, you know, win like this. I think that this can really get us going. Catch my bicycle to them with like a bed sheet or something because I don't know if I want to jump on board yet. And Alonzo hits it out to deep right. Newt Bar back. Two two. O'Neal with the drive out to left, and it's gone. He did it. It's a two-run shot. Tyler O'Neal, the red bird on top. Here in the eighth. Raiders are coming. The Cardinals are coming. No, they're not. And a curveball is popped up left side. Arenado giving chase. Oh, what a play, Nolan Arenado. He holds on. Went over the tarp, back to the infield, and a basket catch from Nolan. Tyler O'Neal. O'Neal smokes it. Oh, and he knew it. It's gone. His second home run of the day, skipping out of the box. He knew that baby was out of here. Bader hits it out to deep left. Late inning magic again. We're tied 2-2. Two, two. He did it, and we're tied. You know, it's always sick going back to back with plays, honestly. And the 1-1. Round ball, Goldie to the plate. Bodie is hung up between home and third. 
The tag by Arenado. They get that out. And now maybe two. Back to Tommy Edmond. He'll throw to third. It's a rundown. Molina. Bader is in it. center there's Bader has it 17 consecutive wins the run of 21 it's been historic amazing incredible and now the St. Louis Cardinals are post season bound no one with us ever St. Louis Cardinals are going to the playoffs. They have earned the second wild card in the National League. If you missed that open, any of it, check it out on the podcast page momentarily. 101ESPN.com, the free 101 ESPN app. And if you want to see the Cardinals take on the Cubs this Saturday night at Bush, this is your chance to win a pair of tickets. 30,000 fans, ages 16 or older, will take home their very own Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead, courtesy of Purina. Get all the details on Saturday night's bobblehead giveaway at cardinals.com slash promotion. Here is the question that you have to know the answer to. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you're texter number 101 with the correct answer, you will win a pair of tickets to Saturday night's game. Here's the question for you. In our opening segment, Alex played a song for today that he thought of as he was watching the celebration last night. What was the name of that song? If you are texter number 101 with the answer to that question, you're going to this Saturday night's game. Crossing things over really quick today with Anthony Stalter in the fast lane. What's going on, man? Cardinals. That's what's going on. Unbelievable. This is just such an incredible run. It's hard to put into words, but we're going to go over a lot of the statistics since September and kind of dive into how and why this all happened. I'm looking forward to that. You guys have any guests coming up today, my man? JR is going to join us at 3.30, but we're off early tonight because of oh, the blues. So 5 o'clock, that. fast lane, fast lane till 5. Fast lane coming up from 2 to 5. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 on 101 ESPN. Ha, 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 Cincinnati. Payback is a bit. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, bike plus, or tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed plus special financing, only for a limited time. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.